This episode of How To Wrestling was requested by Ben Duval, one of our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling. And hey, if you enjoy the show and you want to support us and get access to a whole bevy of bonus content, become just a $5 backer, get access to over 55 bonus episodes. That includes our How To Revisited series, our string of pay-per-view reviews going all the way back to 2015 SummerSlam, as well as that some other little bonus side ventures along the way. You can, of course, as well, over on our patreon page even request an episode and if you like for a limited time joel and i are available to hire if you want a custom message a voicemail a promo that joe can do or an impression from myself if you would like a unique gift for a birthday or an anniversary or a special message to someone who likes the show get in touch on how to wrestling's patreon page we can't do this show without all of our lovely backers and we want to thank each and every one of you who've taken the time to support the show and check out that bonus content and of course if you're interested in having a shout out at the start of the show if you have got a project that you want people to know about an event a kickstarter a blog a website a project of any sort let us know by sending us an email over to howtowrestling at gmail.com and of course as always you can contact us about any and all such inquiries over at patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling but now it's time to get settled in get comfortable and have your reality checked it's time for how to the miz friends and welcome to an episode of how to wrestling the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling how to get into wrestling how to understand wrestling and goodness knows maybe even how to enjoy wrestling and hoorah indeed i am cowboy kevin man joined as i am always by my better half and co-host joe graham hello how are you doing today i'm very well thank you how are you i'm 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 well although we are today talking about a performer who perhaps is somewhat maligned. I think we've got a performer today in The Miz that has got a lot of ire from some parts of the audience. Mm. Some people who love him and some people who kind of hate to love him or love to hate him. Joe, who is this Miz? What's a Miz? What is a Miz? What's a Miz? That's the question I asked when I first started watching wrestling. I couldn't understand what a Miz was. I don't think I even know today what a Miz is. What a Miz is, a yeah. A Miz is. I think a Miz can make Mizzlings, as far as can I know. It? You know, it's like a larger enemy that makes smaller little Mizzlings in, in a video game. That sounds like something out of StarCraft, <laughs> that like an overlord would spawn these Mizzlings. Miz is a character who would have been on the screen when you very first started watching, as you pointed out. Yeah, he's he's been a consistent since... I joined the fray. Yeah, consistent omnipresent, some would say. I guess he is omnipresent. Yeah, because he's just around all the time. I mean, what were these impressions that he made you, other than the name being a bit confusing? How would you have described The Miz upon first sight? Well, my first impression of The Miz was that his stunt double was very entertaining. <laughs> of course, uh, Miz, we'll get into this a bit later, was one of the very fortunate wrestlers to have his own stunt double who enacted all of the moves that he got. So was Miz overshadowed when you first saw him on screen then, would you say? I suppose so. He just didn't really... He didn't do much. <laughs> he was there, and he... I suppose he wrestled. Yeah. But not very well. He didn't do things. He spoke very well. Yeah. 
But all I really remember about him in the early days is, is Damien Misdow. That's so, all I remember. Is it safe to say that he didn't make you a fan in the first instance? I mean, I say I enjoyed him because I knew it meant that Damien Misdow would be there. <laughs> but like, as far as I was concerned, you could take the Miz away from that yeah. and it would still work. <laughs> which I think speaks more to Damien Misdow than sadly the Miz. So Miz is one of the, strangely enough to say this now, one of the longest tenured performers on the roster he's been an active member of the roster since 2005 wow. so nearly 15 years he's coming up on as veteran. of recording i know veteran right yeah. it's crazy to think miz has not got the typical entry point into wrestling i mean we've done a lot of episodes now about a lot of wrestlers who've come in from various worlds but usually there's a kind of a process to it how, how does one usually kind of find their way into the world of wrestling there's a few different avenues the first is you can be an independent wrestler and work your way up, mm-hmm. get a bit of recognition, brand knownness, yeah. until eventually you might get signed into a big company. It's also the less traditional route of becoming a football player and... Or kind of any standout athlete, I any guess. Any standout athlete, yeah. yeah. Like Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin. Bianca Belair. Yeah. yeah. Um, Charlotte even, actually. Oh yeah, yeah good point. Mm. Yeah, and sort of getting into wrestling in, in that way. Well, you're kind of like fostered and moulded mm. by a company, yeah. And some of the female wrestlers, less so now, would have come in through like the Divas search. and Right, yeah. Or kind of through... Modelling. Yeah, like because Trish Stratus came in mm. as kind of a glamour model type kind of or fitness model type person. Sadly, yeah. not the men, which I think is a missed opportunity. I want more male models in wrestling. Well, wait till we get to our Shawn Michaels episode and we can uh, have an in-depth review of Shawn's Playgirl cover spreads. sorry there we just had to pour cold water on that scalding hot microphone because it got a little bit steamy in here after (laughs) i said that so the miz is not really subscribed to any of these entryways into wrestling although he did do some independent stuff along the way how did the miz or what was the main thing that got miz into the world of wrestling as we know it so he was a wrestling fan from a really 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 young age he was a total mark And he always said that he wanted to be a pro wrestler. So, you know, sensibly, instead of training to become a wrestler and doing it that way, he thought, I know, I'll just get into reality television. Ah, reality television. Yeah, famously the best route for all professional wrestlers to get into the industry. And yet, reality TV has produced quite a few wrestlers in its time. If you take into account Tough Enough, which has given us the likes of Velveteen Dream and John Morrison and other other names. Ryback, for instance. But that's different. That's reality TV about wrestling. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. The Miz didn't get in via that route. He, mm. he was in the real world, which God. has fucking nothing to do with wrestling. What's your pedigree with reality TV then? Because I think you and I both talked about how we, we, we both watched separately in our separate worlds at the time. Like, the first season of Big Brother. Like, mm. that was like... When reality TV first came around, it felt like big event television oh, yeah. for a generation. We had to study it in school. What? Yeah, Big Brother. Because it was psychological. They used, like, psychological tactics to manipulate the contestants. Right, you didn't just have a shit teacher who's like, today we're going to watch the omnibus of... Uh, we're going to pop on <laughs> the, the live stream on E4 no, plus we one. We weren't allowed to watch it. Well, we were allowed to watch it in our own time, but not in school. But no, we had to actually study it because it was so new at the wow. time. It was considered so revolutionary. It's I mean, strange to think now. We've talked on this show and over on How to Revisited on Patreon and whatnot. We've talked about our love of 
some of the various reality TVs. Of course, John Cena and uh, Brie, Nikki and Daniel Bryan from Total Bellas. Mm -hmm. Total Divas Mm -hmm. as well. Would you say you're a fan of reality TV? Some, yes. Mm. I definitely love Total Bellas. Total Bellas is my... I don't even say it's a guilty pleasure. I don't feel guilt about enjoying it. I love Total Bellas. Yeah, Daniel Bryan has got enough guilt about appearing in it to cover anyone who might feel remotely (laughs) guilty about actually watching it. I feel like a lot of reality television is based off of sort of manipulating slightly vulnerable people into embarrassing themselves for the entertainment of millions. And I Mm. don't really appreciate that. I, I... I think it's I think it's a bit cruel. I think yeah, reality TV in its current guys, a lot of it does seem to be somewhat like predatory as kind of tastes and sensibilities have moved on. Mm. Some aspects of reality TV, and not not all, obviously. No, not but all. Actually, I kind of prefer the heavily scripted reality TV, yes. like Total Divas, and exactly. Because you know that Summer Rae doesn't actually hate Natalia because she thinks her legs are better. They're actually friends playing it up. Yeah, exactly. Total Bellas. I think I love that so much. It's definitely my favorite reality TV show because you can tell that the Bella twins fucking love drama. Mm. Like, they live for this shit. It's not a case where it's like, you've got all these people put into a situation that's, like, encouraged to be very volatile so that they can get a reaction out of them. It's like, no... Nikki and Brie, they want to fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to get to watch it now. And uh, Mike the Miz Mizanin, the, uh, the young boy who came from Pharma, Ohio, which is quite a rural little joint indeed. I don't think we could class him as being someone who A, lives for drama, or B, is maybe a vulnerable person being tricked into doing stupid stuff. No. If there's one thing, I, one word I could use to describe the Miz it is on. Yes. That's that's true, even from a very young age. Yeah. Now, The Miz is essentially the first 20 seconds of any podcast I host stretched out over an entire lifespan. It must as be exhausting. In, it is. Like, you know, I have to get into a big suitcase full of ice every time I intro a podcast and have a cool down for an hour and a half. The Miz is very much, like, on as a performer. And that, I think, can maybe be a bit disconcerting for some people that he's so like, I'm the Miz, WWE, coming live. Da, da, da. You know, he's, he's fucking pumping out the, the hits that he's pumping out the WWE branding at all times. I really appreciate that for what it is though, because that's skill. Seriously, yeah. it's skill, it's hard work. Like we said, it's exhausting. Yeah. I, I couldn't do that. I mean, I could maybe do it for 15 minutes and then I'd be like, right, I'm taking the rest of this week off. Actually, I'm going on holiday. I mean, (laughs) there is no holiday for if you're The Miz. Uh, The Miz, who is someone who relishes the opportunity to do stuff like media appearances and stuff like that. And you said one of the first things that struck you is that, well, he can talk. Mm. And if there ever is someone who needs to go to... India to do a little bit of media ahead of the big show or somebody needs to go down to Australia or Abu Dhabi or fucking wherever it is the Miz is oftentimes the first person on that plane I've watched a lot of Miz press junkets in preparation for this to try and kind of understand the mindset of it like if there's ever any kind of like little dent in the armor but he's always motherfucking on there was one I found from like seven or eight years ago he's literally got sunglasses on cup of coffee and he's like, hey, Miz, so where have you come from this morning? He's like, well, man, just came in off the red eye from Australia. And tomorrow we're on the road. We're doing Calgary. We're going to do all the shows up there in Canada. And then it's straight on to the European tour. And then I'm back to do MTV The Challenge Season 3. And I love it, man. I just He's, he's just dead on his feet, but still mm. doing it. 
a co-cabana who hosts the art of wrestling which is a great podcast which is about trying to you know get to the human side of these wrestlers scratch underneath the layers and if you listen to his episode with the miz he's a bit annoyed because the miz won't open up at all like there's a point where the miz sounds a bit normal at the start of the episode and then when colt says you know the microphone's on it's like well wwe is coming live this sunday syracuse you know he's he's on straight away and it's very very impressive but a little scary in some ways we watched a video about the miz talking about his time in real world and Mm. he says there that he felt quite anxious about being around lots of people which is so strange to think yeah and he said because of that he felt it much easier to put on a persona of the miz Mm. and sort of live vicariously through this persona he had made up instead of being himself he said he found it much easier so maybe yeah. that's it it's just that i think he's so continued that into adulthood and it might well be still the case that he gets a bit nervous about being himself i mean yeah I, I, to say that with all of our watching we've watched a lot of stuff not just I me mean, miz is someone who the matches i don't say are secondary but they're as important as the media the appearances and all the other stuff that goes in and i don't think we'll ever get to see the real Miz, if that makes any sense, because I think they might be one and the same <laughs> the yeah. character and the I mean, person. he's been doing it for so many years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so we looked into a little bit about his, uh, his upbringing, and as he said, he comes from a very, very small town, Parma, Ohio, where, you know, he said he had this small town mentality, which was like, you know, his dad owned the diner, so he was going to go to high school, maybe go to community college or whatever, and then go take over his dad's business and, you know, flip burgers for a living, have a wife, have some kids settle down but like looking into his youth it could tell already that he was a big fish in a very small town get this is ridiculous i didn't realize this about him he was a ridiculously well-rounded athlete apparently in school he was the captain of both the running team and the basketball team wow he was the head of student council he was the yearbook editor as well like what so he was a jock as well as a nerd i know right he's one of those fucking like like the type of person who's going to bring together all the fractious factions in mean girls at the end the miz could have made it work for everyone the plastics (laughs) and otherwise but yeah, lifelong wrestling fan. And for someone who came in through reality TV, I think a lot of people thought that here was a guy who was using wrestling to get his ends and his goals. And he didn't love it. But he tells stories and there's loads of pictures of him having pay-per-view pizza parties with his pals. Oh, that's nice. I used to have pay-per-view pizza parties with my Ooh, pals. Jammy boy. Yeah. How lucky were you? Well, it was good because when you say it's a pay-per-view pizza party, you can eat an entire Domino's meal deal to yourself and no one can say anything because it's a party. Yeah. <laughs> so Miz did go to university. He was in a frat and then he dropped out within his first year to apply for the real world. Dropping out of university yeah. to be in a reality TV show. That's is fucking deep. Every parent's worst nightmare. How do you pitch that to your parents? I've no idea. I mean, if you're the Miz, I guess you can be like, no, because he obviously was quite academically accomplished yeah. as well. Like, you don't get to be editor of the yearbook you know, and not maybe be on a trajectory for university normally. Yeah, I mean, if you've got your extracurriculars in order, Joe, obviously you've got plans. Clearly. So I don't know. I mean, he's so charismatic. Maybe they were just like, yeah, just go be free. Be a famous reality star. I think what it might have been is that he was in this real small town when you're in this like tiny little bubble. And then he went to, I think it was like Miami or something. He went to a big city anyway for his university. And maybe it was just like, 
someone like that who was clearly a fucking just one of those really high functioning people going to a big city and realizing that there's an opportunities that lie there beyond just being in that small town and shedding off that small town mentality but like that's fucking that's some brave shit right there like because i know people who've dropped out of university and it is not an easy decision to make in any no. way stretch or form it must like. have been quite terrifying for him yeah so the miz as we know it that actual name that was not a wwe creation that was created on the real world. And you mentioned it was a persona that he had to help cope with things. We did watch some real world. What were your thoughts on old Mike Mizanin in New York City in a sex house full of sexy singletons? It didn't feel much like a sex house. It did look like sex house it, from the onions. <laughs> it did look like sex house, that's true. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that kind of was obvious to me was how young they all looked. Yeah. They look like children. He was 19. Oh, the babies. Can't even drink, like. Oh, gosh. He's, I mean, he's incredibly energetic. He's obsessed with wrestling. He just ran around doing impressions of Stone Cold and The Rock. He was basically like, I don't know, what I think of the stereotypical wrestling fan now. Yes, absolutely. Ten years ago. And honestly, even ten years ago, you know, Miz being on Real World, when he was on Real World, it was like 2002 or three, And like, that's very much like kind of, wrestling fans are idiots, are they? Oh, well, here we go. Here's the Miz on Real World. And MTV has just dropped all of its WWE programming. I think we can tell what the current zeitgeist is as regards to, to wrestling fans. So Miz was like a bit of a character and that was fun. But I think it was at the expense of wrestling fans because everyone is kind of like plays along with his shtick but you know they're not talking about how cool he is no. he's very much the the butt of the joke in many respects i feel that a lot of wrestling fans resent the miz because they see the worst of themselves <laughs> in him you know it's like a part of us that kind of hate our younger selves and yeah. are embarrassed by them and it's very easy to look at the miz and be like oh god that was definitely me every time i watched a clip of the miz on the real world i thanked my lucky stars that i never took the plunge and bought a replica championship yeah. belt because <laughs> there's something about the miz walking around going the mayor's always has his chest then the miz by the way the original character of the miz it's different in that he has a southern accent. Oh, yeah, he definitely, yeah. I, I thought he was trying to be Stone Cold. I mean, he pretty much was. because he's Stone Cold in the rock, but Demir's, when he talked about these bells, this is Demir's and this is my bell. I will never be seen without my bell because I am Demir's. And he would make people go, the Mayor's, I'm the Mayor's. Such a dingus. Oh, he's such a fucking dork. And he does everything that is like. It's it's the stuff that happens on like tough enough that people are like just fucking stop that man you're being annoying but because no one has to wake up and do wrestling training in the morning they're like well this is the show I guess the Miz is just <laughs> going to give a guy an atomic wedgie and put him in a bin like oh that was his feud because yep. the guy touched his belt and nobody touches the Miz's belt I hope Miz at one point he brings back you know the way Mick Foley brought back Cactus Jack. <laughs> You know, and you could have Mike Mizanin and The Miz and be like, there is only someone who could take on Dolph Ziggler tonight. I think you know his name. It's me, The Miz. Don't touch my bail. Only if he brings back the atomic wedgie. <laughs> I want to see Randy Orton put in a bin. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that's fucking, that's dark, that's deep, that's meta right there. I know. Like. <laughs> so, one of the big highlights, and I use the word loosely, of The Miz being on The Real World. And The Real World was like, it, I think its idea was that let's take people from all across the United States of America with very different viewpoints and experiences. And they're all too young to have 
real world experience, I guess, and put him in a house and hope for some conflict. And they got that in spades when fucking small town idiot The Miz, one of the biggest kind of controversies on the real world, was him having a protracted debate with someone about why it was okay that his dad didn't hire any black people in his oh restaurant. My God. And it's like, it's... He's talked about it since, and he's stopped short of apologising because he's friends with the person who he had the, who he had the kind of the the, the debate with, you know, and that that person was African American, and he kind of said like, well, I was very small minded at the time. I don't think I ever met anyone who was black in my hometown, and that's I was just stating what my dad's opinion was because my dad thought that because the no black people were educated, they shouldn't work in my restaurant. And it's like Jesus fucking Christ, like. He said that on, like, national TV. He owes a lot to the fact that the other person was very understanding and open to his ignorance. Yes, seriously. You know? What a fucking gaff. Can you on imagine? Te- on television. Someone doing that oh, now, like. This is before gosh. Twitter, of course, like. And it's actually something that's kind of... It's quite even hard to find the clip of it now, like. It's it's a little bit like Forgotten Pass. I saw him mention it, like, in one kind of interview where he was asked about it with the person in question. But he went on to do low because he became such a star from the season he was on. He was brought back for all the spin-off series. He was brought back for like loads of other. They just put him in the house over and over again. Trapped him in there. Trapped him in there. But yeah, that but that was the big explosive. That's one of the Miz's big kind of like national exposure moments was having a real fucking stupid a racist racial comment. controversy. Yeah, that's what he's famous for. That originally. Is initially it was yeah. Christ. And I mean, one minute he's walking around with his little bell fucking putting people in bins, and the next minute he's involved in this fucking ignorant fucking shit. It's easy to see why someone could look at that and go, you know what, The Miz is a fucking dink, and I never want to have anything to do with him. It's worth bearing in mind, I guess, that it was 17 years ago? Yeah, and he was quite young. Honestly, it makes me feel like the worst thing about it, I feel, is, is the fact that The Miz's dad was of that belief and he was like yeah because the big a grown-ass adult yeah the big kind of excuse for the miz was i was just saying what my dad said i don't think this i mean it is an excuse definitely it It is totally an excuse a cop-out answer but oh yeah just repeating what my dad said like 19 is old enough to know better yeah but similarly his dad is fucking would have been like what 40 yeah that's definitely old enough to know better absolutely so even 17 years ago before you go and get your george mizanin t-shirt perhaps maybe stop short and ask if you want a George Mizanin t-shirt or a Bill Watts t-shirt or anyone else who's made stupid racial comments like that. I'm glad that Shane McMahon beat him up. (laughs) I'm glad he broke his ribs. (laughs) After that, The Miz wanted to get into wrestling. He was like, right, I'm young. I've got exposure. Let's go and try to get into wrestling. Still not going to actually do any training though. It's just so strange to me, the fact that he was athletic in school wanted to be a wrestler mm. and just didn't put those two things together. And what's really strange for, to me is that Tough Enough, which, you know, I've, Tough Enough is, I've mentioned this a lot, sorry folks, if you don't know, Tough Enough is a reality show that WWE has ran in the last kind of 20 or so years. It's run it in various guises. The original three series of it, which were produced by MTV, were like really, really good reality TV. Like some of the first like actual examples of proper drama great like learning about the world of wrestling and all that and i'm so surprised he didn't go on that like why wouldn't you is it because he didn't he didn't have any wrestling training at all is that it a lot of people in tough enough didn't have wrestling training he was just a coward i you know what i mean 
you've you've not seen much tough enough, but you've, you've obviously you know you've been around when me and Adam and Billy were chatting about it and watching it and I've stuff. I've seen that. enough to know it's tough. It's yeah. like really, really like tougher probably than actual wrestling training because they have to make an example out of you. Around half of the participants of the first season don't even get eliminated; they just leave or quit Jeez. or are told they have to leave because of injury complications or because it's just not safe for them or they weren't progressing at the level. So in many respects going onto the real world and saying I'm the mirrors I'm a wrestler is a lot easier than going and getting the shit knocked out of you by Bob Holly or and whatever you can imagine just I mean he would have been really used as an example yeah. to like right okay you think you are going to be a cool wrestler well we'll show you just how fucking hard it is yeah and probably just beat him up for real because they do like the open auditions and like there are so many guys who have and even women who have Miz energy where it's like, I'm really exciting and charismatic and I can do it. And they straight away, it's like, you know, the people there are like Taz and, you know, Al Snow and Bob Holly who look at, and Jacqueline who look at that and they're like, okay, they think this is easy. So now we're going to go extra, extra hard on them particularly. Do you not feel that's a bit harsh? Because like... Oh, it all, is. Absolutely. Yeah. All of those examples of wrestlers you've just said, I would say none of them have that energy. Yeah. Like, none of them have that enthusiasm for the business that makes them, like, full of vim and vigour, the mm. way that, like, The Miz still has. I think it's a bit harsh to be like, oh, you've got this enthusiasm to be in this business, we're going to knock that out of you because yeah. your enthusiasm shows that you're not taking this seriously. Yeah, because if you're too enthusiastic, you're implying it's going to be easy. I like... don't think that's fair at all. Oh, no, it's not. It's It's... The exclusionism and the kind of gatekeeping that goes into wrestling. And I'm not saying that to say that that's entirely a bad thing. There's there's reasons for that with wrestlers. They want to be protective of, of wrestling because they don't want wrestling to be... Ex- I mean, we talked about this in a Roddy Piper episode, why he was so ornery about Mr. T, you know. It was because he was worried about wrestling being exposed and being made to seem silly or anything like that. So they try and, like... Almost it's like patting themselves on the back a little bit, but they're telling themselves that it's protecting the wrestling business. And I mean, for every ZZ you kind of encourage strongly to get out of wrestling, there are people like The Miz who probably have, you know, he's shown that he has had tremendous upsides. You know, I'm glad The Miz wasn't scared away from wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. But where there's a will, there's a way. Because after wrestling on the indies and getting some training with a local group called UPW, The Miz found himself in the fourth season of Tough Enough. And the fourth season of Tough Enough was different because they weren't on MTV anymore. (laughs) Which meant that we didn't have reality show producers giving us a thoughtful reality show about kids wanting to become wrestlers. It instead became 12 guys in the ring doing very silly, demeaning challenges, quite like the Diva Search. So, do you think he held off on joining Tough Enough and then was like, hmm, they're changing the formula and now it's not going to be anything to do with wrestling and it's all to do with silly activities. Hmm. I can do that. Season one of Tough Enough. Taz makes people wrestle Greco-Roman style in mud and rocks. One person breaks their arm. Season four of Tough Enough. The Miz has to pass Tori Wilson's sex challenge. What? It's like they all dressed up in sexy outfits and had to like kiss the divas and, you know, they did loads of silly stuff like fucking pie-eating contests. You know, they Miz did a thing where you had to do like the gladiators, you know, hitting with the giant Q-tip. It was very silly, but it also like, it had some names in it. Like the Boogeyman was part of that. Ryback was part of that season of Tough Enough. The best part of it though, 
other than the really awful final, which was Miz and a guy who won Daniel Pewter having to have an actual boxing match. Because a boxing match? A Dixie Dog fight. Why? Because they couldn't wrestle yet. So they said, right, go out and do amateur boxing instead. And they wore like big head, you know, head protection and stuff and gloves. It was hideous. You can't wrestle yet, so you have to go out and play tennis. <laughs> I would have loved to see that, like, for Miz. And special WWE tennis where, like, you can get, like, a chair to hit the ball back or something like that. That would have been great, like. Like in Mario Power Tennis when there's the, the crazy uh, stipulations. As long as they get special wrestling tennis outfits. They've never had... Have they ever had a wrestling gimmick that's a tennis player? They had someone who had kind of a bit of a country club gimmick, but not specifically tennis. We did have a wrestling golfer at one point, Mr. Uh. Holen one. Mr. Holman, who was another guise of Barry Darsaw, a.k.a. The Repo Man. Oh, so, wow. I know. Two of the greatest gimmicks in the history of wrestling right there, folks. Sure. <laughs> so I showed Joe not much of this because these segments were 15 minutes in length, hideous, boring, and the crowd were not interested. Although I did get to show when they had Kurt Angle come into the ring and just chastise them all. Kurt Angle goes right up to the Miz, and this is like peak. I've broken my neck twice and I'm muscling through it because I'm a badass Kurt Angle. He goes up to the Miz, he goes, you're the MTV kid, right? Yeah, that's right, sir. MTV sucks! <laughs> and they all had to try and take down Kurt Angle, and none of them could, except for the eventual winner, Daniel Pewter. So Miz didn't win the million-dollar Tough Enough Challenge, but they reckoned, you know, he went, he came in second, and he was the only one who had a personality. Anytime the Miz could get a microphone, he was there going, I'm the Miz! Hoorah! Well, that's no good. They'll have to beat that out of him. <laughs> the enthusiasm. So he was sent down to Deep South Wrestling, and then he went to OVW as well. And it was just pretty much like they knew he could talk. And in 2005, there was very few people who could confidently do that in the kind of in their developmental system. So Miz was eventually brought up onto TV... And they didn't want him to wrestle straight away. His initial role was the host of SmackDown. Okay. So what would you think a host's job would entail? Uh, like, welcoming people? Mm -hmm. I don't really understand what the difference between a host and a general manager would be, except a host is maybe there to say hello and goodbye. <laughs> See, general managers can make rules for, for matches. He, can set, he or she can set... You know, match-up stipulations can book championship matches, pick number one contenders. They can also fine or fire or suspend superstars. That's all in the canon of, of it. The host gets to say hello and goodbye, as you pointed out. Okay. And that's pretty much it. So what would happen is SmackDown would open and Michael Cole would say, we're coming to you live tonight from Cincinnati, Ohio. And then it would cut to the Miz in the crowd and he'd be dressed up like he was embusted. He'd be wearing a pinstripe blazer with an Affliction t-shirt over a hoodie as well. Wow. And then he would go, Hi, I'm The Miz! Welcome to SmackDown! And then he would turn around and go, Hoorah! What a strange person to host SmackDown. What a weird choice. And then in the middle of SmackDown, they would cut back in. And like the crowd at this point were kind of you know, a little bit, they weren't be like pulling at him as much. He'd just be stood there going, Wow, I can't believe Michelle McCool is going to take on Layla! Hoorah! <sighs> And then that would be it, pretty much. And he would do that for a few months, just saying, hoorah. And, like, why? <laughs> it seems like you could do without that role. They had put him over with vignettes saying, this is the guy from the real world. Your reality's about to get checked when The Miz debuts. And then he debuts, Ugh. and he's just saying, hello, here I am. Do you like my Affliction t-shirt? I, I, I got it at the shop. 
It's interesting, given that he started off as a host and he's good at talking and doesn't do much wrestling, that he didn't automatically kind of get put into a commentary role. Yeah, they have done him on commentary a few. He did do a little bit on, uh, I think it was on Main Event and and on the the kids show that they had Saturday Morning Slam. He did a little bit of it. Oh, yeah. He is very good at it. I can imagine he would be. But yeah, the problem as well at the time is that any time The Miz would appear on screen, the actual commentators, Michael Cole and JBL, specifically JBL, would go out of his way to say how horrible he was. Oh, of course he did. He'd be like, Miz, I hate you. I hope that you never debut. You're a terrible wrestler. And he was meant to be the heel commentator. And like, it just, he was chastising him. And Michael Cole's like, yeah, he is terrible. Like, Oh, everyone just hates the Miz. We showed Joe a clip, which is like from the end of year Smackdown special of the year. And it's like, just telling how much they hated him. They were talking about the sexiest women on TV, the divas of SmackDown. And then Michael Cole's like, <laughs> and another diva who debuted this year was The Miz. And we all hate him. And then JBL, like really stone cold, is like, Miz, I hate you. I hope you have a terrible Christmas. Oh. And then they're like, oh, we're only kidding. Like, I'm not kidding. I am deadly serious. Look, I hate you and I wish you would die. Right in the eyes. I'm going to kill you on Christmas morning, Miz. <laughs> he fucking hated him. Like, Oh, of course he did, though, because JBL's that old type of wrestler who's all traditional and thinks that wrestling should be miserable and everyone should be miserable and take it too seriously. Well, I have a quote from JBL about his relationship with The Miz Mm. and the accusations that came out that he was a bully to The Miz and he hazed The Miz a lot and JBL was asked about this in an interview and he said hell yes I hazed him I am not gonna apologise I really don't give a shit WWE sponsored by uh, what's what's the anti-bullying campaign? Yeah, I know, Be A Star. Be A Star, that's it. I mean, Mm. Miz really was he had a really tough entryway in because when you are brought in as Mr. Reality Show, and everyone straight away is like, oh, this guy's the reality guy. Like, oh, not a real wrestler. Didn't come in the proper way. You know, it's just using using wrestling to further his own personal yeah. career. And I mean, I could see why you would think that. Because people but have... That, 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 but that's the point of being a wrestler. <laughs> Who doesn't have that as their goal? Oh, Roman Reigns. He's not in it for his own career, is it? Oh, that that bloody bastard. He's, he's in it for himself. Of course... Of course they want to do when well. When Roman got in the new Fast and Furious spin-off, he was fucking dancing for days. You as know if, they love it, like. As if there's a single wrestler who's become a wrestler for the good of others. Yeah, right. Ah, uh, good old JBL. Who... Sorry, uh, JBL whose book, which we have in the house here, which is literally called More Money Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Oh my God. That is like the worst reason to hate on a wrestler. Yeah. I mean, come on. I have to talk about it. I'm worried about talking about it now because it's so awkward and it makes me literally want to crawl up into a leaf and die and get dried up in the autumn breeze and blow away forever, which is The Miz hosting the Diva Search. Now, when Miz was the host of SmackDown, it was okay because it was a taped show. They got it pipe in the, ah, so it sounded like people were intrigued. Miz in front of a live audience on Raw. Oh. And he wanted to tell people how to vote in the diva search, didn't he? He he did. What what happened, Joe? Oh, no. Oh, he was like <laughs> He was like, "Hi. Uh, uh the diva search, uh you can call the the number, uh uh or visit the website. 
you you can visit the website for the number, which is uh, and he looks at his hand. It's uh, always smeared uh, off. Uh, uh, eight six three five. Just dial all the numbers, guys. They're all great. <laughs> it's the most. Oh, the fact that this is debut. Like this, it, it's a bad enough moment to have at like any point in anyone's yeah. career. It's the most awkward, cringy thing I've ever seen in wrestling. First time on Raw, though. First ever to- And it's The Miz, who is known for being a good talker and not known for anything yeah. else. It's really, really fucking terrifying. Like. And, like, just fucking that up. You can imagine him being like, right, that's it. I'm My career is ruined. I have just <sighs> proven to everyone that I can't do the one thing I'm expected to do. Yeah, it honestly, it, it feels like if we did like our, our first ever live show and then we came out, we were like, <laughs> uh, it's just like everyone is assuming that you can do this thing because everyone is tired of you being able to do this thing. Now do the thing. And I'm like, oh, I can't do the thing. The only thing that Miz didn't do was piss his pants. And oh. that's that was literally it. But he was lit, the sweat coming out of him. And you can see, like, it would be one thing if he kind of was, had gotten it wrong and kind of got away with it through being a bit confident about it. Because, like, you can pull off a mistake. You can fake it till you make it. Like. Exactly. Yeah. You can be, you can pr- blame it on technical difficulties or, you know, come up with an excuse or something or just work a way around it but or the fact my favourite that... one which is the lengthy considered pause to make people think yes. that you're being serious but you're like what the fuck am I going to say <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that you can see in his face that he is panicking mm. like he is literally cringing oh it's so bad it's so, so fucking bad. you know what that's the closest to the real Mike Mizan I think we ever see oh no that's, that's the little boy from Parma, Ohio there, like, you know. I'm worried that that is going to give me nightmares. That You know, you have the nightmares of, like, you being in an exam and you're naked. I'm worried I'm going to have nightmares where... Hosting the deepest I not, not I host it. I have to watch the Miz <laughs> host it and get it wrong. Yeah, I don't think I could even empathise and put myself in a situation. Because if I did, I think I would have an anxiety attack. Yeah. Like, it's just... You know, if I take two propranolol, I might be able to put myself in his boots there in a safe environment. But other than that, I don't think that's going to be a goer there. And, like, around this time as well, like, Miz, you know, he wasn't allowed to change in the locker room, you know, in his early years. Oh, yeah, there's a real fucked up story about that, isn't there? Where he ate ate a chicken leg in a locker room, which, okay, I kind of feel... That's not the place to eat a chicken leg in yeah. a locker room. But I mean, that, you, would you eat a burger on a train? I mean, I would because I don't, I don't care. Because I'm not like most girls. I'll eat a burger on a train. But I wouldn't eat a burger in a locker room. No, that's. that's I don't fair know points. why a trainer's fine. A locker room is not fine. <laughs> There's something about eating a burger in a locker room that's really it's hot. The smell of like uh, sweaty bodies. And yeah. Like also seeing probably genitals around you. And because when you shower and you wash or you've been sweaty and then you wash your skin is quite absorbent isn't mm-hmm. it which is if you've got dry skin it's a great time to apply a moisturizer yes. but also a time where you could get a permanent burger smell that's you, true you smell like a burger for a week. also all the water in the air could absorb into the burger bun and make it a bit damp <laughs> that's just horrid but his crime wasn't eating in the locker crime wasn't eating the fact that he edit over chris benoit's bag Oh, I heard it was a referee's bag. Oh, it was a referee's bag even. Well, there you go. Fucking ridiculous. Chris Benoit's bag suddenly, like, sounds a bit sinister. It does, doesn't it? Like, don't eat on that bag, like. No. Very dangerous bag. But yeah, I, d- I don't know if that's that's true or not, but I heard it was, it was a referee. and then... Regardless, he had it over someone's bag and 
something fell onto it and he was kicked out of the dressing room. Some reports say it was for like six months that he was out. That's how long he said it was for. Six months. And he said that during that time he was made to get changed in the public, like the the toilets of the actual stadium or arena that they were in, which was used by the general public. That is so sad. Like that's, that exact hazing thing and specifically JBL, you know, we talked about in the Attitude Era podcast where there was a number of wrestlers who had to change in their car because they were kicked out of the locker room by JBL. And so, you know, some of the reasons being kicked out of the locker room include like, you didn't do the prank on the wrestler I told you to do, you know? Fuck off. I like the hazing thing. It's it's something that in 2019, it's by a different name and has a much different kind of modus operandi, I guess. But, you know, Leo Rush is a currently a wrestler who, you know, much like The Miz has run people a lot the, the wrong way. He's due to have an ego and an attitude and he's not doing the things which the veterans are supposing upon him that young talent are meant to do. Carrying bags, getting water for everyone not eating chicken over a bag. And I kind of feel like there's not much scope in wrestling, past or present it seems, to book against the trend of what the locker room rules are. There is no kind of independence in that sense. No, because, I mean, how how could there be when JBL is still a massive figure in the industry? I mean, like he's retired now and he's gone from the company for a few years. But uh, I think, he's still around all the time, though. I think... You're seeing, though, the fact that it's like that expectation is still there. Maybe while it's it's done in, in less of a, you got to do what I say, more of a, it's for the good of the locker room. We all need to get the yeah. water, guys. I just think it's it's sad to see that like wrestlers still are kind of left to kind of run themselves a little bit like that. And I just feel it's, I don't know, like the, having to change in a public bathroom. Like he's yeah. told stories of kids seeing him. And it's like, that looks like the Miz. It's like, well, he is because he's wearing the fucking Miz's ring gear and he's getting changed in a fucking toilet. Like, that's so demeaning. Oh. He's, a, he's a superstar. You think WWE alone who are so brand and yeah. image conscious would think, you know, that's a bad look. Or WWE superstar who are expecting you to pay to see. Then I feel the same way about the situation with Leo Rush. Like, do they not realise it's a really bad look to have a very yeah. young black man carrying everyone's bags? It's a bad look, he is, yeah. Like, he's one of the few guys that has to do it. it that looks so shit for one of your superstars. There's, and... there's optics involved here, folks, yeah. and how it all comes across. Come on. Like, in that interview I pulled that that uh, quote from, about, from JPL about him. He went on to say, it's like, look, the reason there is hazing and there was hazing and he said there always will be hazing Great. is that we're in an industry where, as far as I was concerned growing up in this industry, that there could be a riot at any time because we've had riots, you know? We've had riots in shows. What was the last riot? I mean, yeah, I know, right? I mean, we, we talked about in our Bobby Heaton episode, you know, guns been pulled out. You know, I've, I mentioned times where, you know, where people have broken down the barricades back in the old territories and yeah, stormed so what? What's the most recent incident? Because the last one I can think of was 70, 30, 30 years ago, maybe? Yeah, I mean, 30 years ago, I would say you'd be coming up on 40 years ago, nearly. <laughs> it's, it's, you know... It's just around the corner. Any day now, we're going to get one of those riots. And Cena has won several times, and we never riot. <laughs> 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 you know? Even Roman Reigns and has won. the riot squad have picked up a few wins, and yet no riots have happened there. So I understand that... <laughs> you know 
there's with the old timey people they want to have this kind of like we're outlaws it's real dangerous we need to have you know, these people to take into a war with us but the reality is, is if there's a riot in a wrestling arena I think the last people who should be dealing with her are the actual wrestlers maybe get yeah. some fucking security out there is that not their job the yeah. security guards that you pay like no I mean we, we've seen Raw twice though from the Manchester Evening News arena where there has been terrorist attacks yes you know I don't want that to be up to the wrestlers. JBL, I'm sure you're fucking well, well oh, no, cleaned up great. on it. Let's just let JBL deal with it. Yeah, that's all right. You know, he's so prepared. Head of security. Yeah, and like, he's such you know? a badass. I just, I feel so bad for the Miz because all of this was coming out. And, you know, this was a particularly exponential time in wrestling where all of us who were wrestling fans were pretty much everyone had broadband, high-speed connections now by and large in the US and the UK and Ireland. So you are very easy to find out. Yeah, Miz got kicked out of the locker room. He's a piece of shit. Everyone hates him. And it's like, oh, well, this guy who I think I should hate and everyone who's a wrestler who I respect hates him. I guess I hate him then. Did you find out the reason he was kicked out? I didn't know it was chicken. No, I only found out it was chicken when I showed you there was a promo that the Miz did a few years after this where he's like, I've had to scratch and claw for everything I've had because I wasn't even allowed to change this dress agreement. He mentioned, you know, JBL specifically by name in the mm-hmm. promo. It was so good. He had the killer line, which is, I'd rather you hate me for what I am than love me for something I'm not. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck yes. That's too good for wrestling. It is. <laughs> but it's hard when someone is is doing that where it's like, I want to be, you know, who I am. It's like, well, who you are is quite obnoxious and grating. But at the same time, I just feel no one should be treated like that in any job. I mean, he is definitely a bit annoying, but you can't bully someone for being a bit annoying. It doesn't work. I haze them it, for it. It really doesn't work. Like all you're gonna do is make like if it's someone who genuinely has something to offer, like I think all you're doing is trying to quash that spirit. Yeah. And I don't think Miz or anyone can go. Well, it was great, you know, I, you know, because I got bullied at build character. Mm, Give you a cool line or two in your promo, but I don't think it necessarily. You wouldn't have arrived at the situation that you're in currently had you not been bullies. Yeah. I think the fact that Miz goes out and talks on the Be A Star rallies and stuff like that is, is, is quite nice, I think. It's like a punch in JBL's smelly face every time. It's great. I love that the Miz has taken a situation that was real shitty to him and used it to make the world a better place. Yeah, making some lemonade right there for everyone to enjoy. So Miz did eventually debut in the ring with some interesting ring attire. Do you want to describe his trousers at the time? Was this the uh, the rhinestone flame trip pants? Uh, that would be trip pants. That's the official nomenclature. Oh for no, these. this is when he wore shorts. I mean, he did shorts. You think trip he evolved shorts. into? Yeah, these are horrible. <laughs> they sure are. They look like you should wear a chain wallet with them. Oh my fucking god! Yeah. Did that one came with a free fucking membership card to Hot Topic. Those pants, did they? Like <laughs> Jesus. He was interviewed and said that he chose that look specifically because no one in wrestling looked that way yeah i wonder why i wonder why like you know a lot of my creative characters in tony hawk's pro skater 3 didn't look like that either and there's a reason like because i wasn't a fucking douche (laughs) so yeah miz did debut he wrestled a little bit i mean what was very obvious quite early on was that miz was a bit clunky in the ring he had a couple of early finishers the misery of odds yeah uh, also the the reality check as well he was he was a bit clunky in the ring. He was definitely missing something. And even though he was good as a heel and people liked to boo him, he was definitely missing anything to take him to the next level. So he gets moved to the ECW brand around this time. And this is the ECW a year after Paul Heyman has left in floods of tears because of how fucking miserable the whole relaunch was. 
And you can imagine me at the time as a kid who was like all up for the ECW revival. It's like, The Miz, <laughs> he's not extreme. He's not hardcore. I was very upset about this. Like, mm. I mean, when you think of like Sabu and Sandman in a Stairway to Hell match, and then you think of The Miz in his trip shorts, there's a bit of a... That's a pretty good visual indicator of the difference between ECW and the reinvented ECW. Yeah, absolutely. So he was teamed up quite soon after this with John Morrison. Now John Morrison is someone who you've seen a bit here and there. One of my faves at the time. And Miz and Morrison was a, a very, very popular tag team at the time. A great heel tag team. What are your thoughts on Jomo, John Morrison? John Morrison, the first time I think I came across him was when I saw him in the trailer for that film where a dog becomes a wrestler. <laughs> Great film, by the way. Air, Air Pup, Air Bud. Air Bud, yeah. I think it's Air Bud 4, maybe. And I just, I saw him in that and I was like, I want to know more about this guy who wrestles a dog. Who is he? He can work a dog. I want to see him work a human, you know? <laughs> that's, that's pretty impressive. And he's a certified hunk. Yeah. Like, he's a traditional hunk like when i if i were to look up hunk in an old dictionary mm-hmm. i'd imagine seeing a picture of someone like john morrison is it because he has washboard abs it's the big hair yeah. it's the kind of the the broad angular jaw the kind of swagger he's got and the big what do you call the big thing he's got he a big flowing fur coat robe yeah thing. and also when he comes out we've got slow-mo of the hair blowing as well yes you know amazing now we before we got into our first match and with Miz and Morrison, I was like, I need to show Joe kind of what it was, what was the special sauce that these two had because Miz was by no means a great wrestler at the time and John Morrison, while he was a fabulous wrestler, he certainly lacked a lot of the outward charisma. That He had a quiet charisma, definitely, but in front of a live crowd, he really did struggle a lot. Whereas the Miz, they, they kind of compensate for each other's kind of shortcomings. I think that was the point. But I showed Joe a lot of episodes of the Dirt Sheet, which was their WWE.com heavily compressed video series that aired once a week. And I never missed an edition of The Dirt Sheet. Really? I always checked out The Dirt Sheet. I always wanted to see what was going on with Miz and Morrison. It was a little kind of sketch show that they did themselves. They wrote it all themselves and they produced it. What were your thoughts on watching The Dirt Sheet? I really enjoyed it. Really? I actually found John Morrison quite funny. He was. Hi, I'm John Morrison. And I once spent a night on a houseboat with Joan Rivers. She taught me things. <laughs> the dirt sheet was really fun. I yeah. really enjoyed watching it. And it makes me sad that there's not something like that in wrestling today. Yeah. Because I feel there's so many wrestlers. Like, you think Kevin Owens could yeah. do something like that, like, just in his sleep. Like, so many wrestlers are so funny and mm. could do that. Like, Gallows and Anderson again. Yeah. There's so many sort of comedians in wrestling that... I don't know. I want something like that again. A little sketch show, silly comedy. I think it's very, very interesting that you point that out that we don't have that at the moment, really. When you consider the network, which is meant to be this great big vehicle for wrestlers to get across their personalities. We want to get across that the network is a diverse hub with not just wrestling. It's got all these other shows and whatnot. And you kind of even think back to like, you know, if we'll do an episode on Zack Ryder someday, you'll find out you know, about how important that YouTube channel was and that you know, a lot of wrestlers managed to make a name for themselves by doing stuff like this where you don't have time on TV and they weren't getting a lot of promo time, but they had this little five-minute bit every week to get across their characters. And, like, who gets stuff like that on the network now? Kathy Kelly got three episodes of a cooking show, Straight to the Source with Corey Graves, mm. Hawkins and Ryder, I think, of an action figure thing. But, like, there's nowhere like that, like he said, like a vehicle for people to, like, Here's me being funny. Yeah. You know, pay attention to very me. Very little comedy on the network. I loved 
that they just use it to do like the most juvenile like sub Conan O'Brien making fun of people. It's like let's go and talk with you know uh, CM Punk, and it's just like. John Morrison dressed up as CM Punk going like, I cried at the end of Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> and everyone laughed at me at school. And he like, puts his head in his hands. Like. There's, just, like, there's such like nerd bullies. Yes. You ever like have bullies in school who made fun of everyone but didn't realise that they were the two biggest fucking dinks? Me. <laughs> Did you see a lot of yourself in the Miz and Morrison yes. here? Yeah. <laughs> Making fun of everyone without realizing that I deserve to be made fun of the oh, most. Oh, that's very, very. That's a very big Grojo moment. Oh no, I think I realized that at quite a young age. Groanna Graham, more like. <laughs> am I right? Or would it be Groanna <laughs> Jame at that point? Stop from over there. So yeah, Miz and Morrison, very funny guys. But I mean, it's the very definition of hit and miss. Like it, like they will do like five or six little bits in an episode. Two of them maybe are funny, and the other two are like. These guys have no filter and have yeah. no one to tell them it's not funny when you do this. Yeah, please just stop doing that now. So we decided to try and watch a match from the heyday of ECW's reinvention from 2008. This is the WWE Tag Team Champions, John Morrison and The Miz, taking on the dream team of Colin Delaney and Tommy Dreamer, this is coming to us from ECW on Sci-Fi. So, some familiar faces here in this match for you, Joe? Colin Delaney. Hey, old CD. When's Colin Delaney from in our rich back catalogue? So, you've got to listen to our episode, How to Jobbers, to learn all about Colin Delaney and his uh, extensive fan base. <laughs> <laughs> so, Colin Delaney was the erstwhile jobber from ECW who kept getting beaten up and coming back for more. And he's teamed up with his his extreme advocate and his uh, his mentor here, Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer reminds me of a protagonist in a video game. In that <laughs> he's a very generic mm. looking white man with brown hair. Yeah, absolutely. I think Tommy Dreamer, in the nicest way possible, I think, is the generic prototypical normal white guy. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is that people can, a lot of the wrestling fan base can just put themselves onto Tommy Dreamer very easily. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm Tommy Dreamer and I love wearing black t-shirts and I love ECW. <laughs> and a lot of the fan base are like, yes! Yes! I agree! I'm a big, big fan of Tommy Dreamer who absolutely is the comfiest man in wrestling. That he, fuck, yeah, I want to give oh. him a big hug. He just looks like, you know, no matter what move he takes, he's going to be landing all right on those soft velour trousers. He oh. also looks like he smells nice. I don't know why I think that, but yeah. I do. Always very... His hair's nice and neat. combed back as yeah. well. Very, very neat gentleman. Now... We have watched a lot of classic ECW in, for this podcast. We've done an episode on Heyman. We had an episode, obviously, on ECW and on Sandman and the Dudley Boys. What did you think to the presentation of ECW on sci-fi? Was it uh, authentic for you, Joe? Well, it was about as authentic as The Miz in his trip shorts <laughs> compared to the original ECW. It's, it's hokey. It's kind of for kids. I don't know. It's... I'm not sure who it was for. Unrecognisable from the original ECW. Like, the only similarity is the three letters. Oh, and also, I don't know if you picked up the letters ECW, which are clad in barbed wire. The background of them is a big razor blade. Oh, is it? It is. So, there you go. The blading. Exposing the business. What's that for, then, huh? What's that for? <laughs> well, you know, there's a razor blade there. I'm looking canonically here. 
in wrestling history, you know, they never, never actually used a razor blade, I was led to believe. So where does it, yeah. Where does what, it come it from, like? And oh. uh, interesting, that one. The theme as well. Doesn't inspire much uh, ECW feelings when it's like, right here, you've been looking for me. It's a great, I mean, I love it, but it's not right for this brand. Still standing here, don't question the fire that burns inside. Which wrestler do you think that was originally meant to be entrance music for? Oh, I can imagine Randy Orton come out to like, <laughs> you know, come out to say with bring, right here, you've been looking for me. And then he walks into the ring and he does his arms up, still <laughs> totally work you know honestly it could have been anyone at the time because wrestling was struggling with a lot of boring characters a lot of repetition at the time the Miz and Morrison were a, seriously a breath of fresh air but seeing Miz come out here in this match for the first look at younger Miz how did his look or how did his kind of character come across? Is it the same to now or was it much different? Oh, no, it's it's different. Yeah. I mean, because current day Miz, he has kind of two main looks, one of which is his A-lister celebrity look where he wears a suit and some sunglasses mm-hmm. and he looks quite quite cool. Mm-hmm. And then you've got his anime look where he wears his sunglasses and like a... Cyber robe. Cyber robe and the thing on his head. Like, you look like you'd be a paladin in a quite obscure Final Fantasy game. Or a character in Naruto. (laughs) And in this era of The Miz, we have... I mean, in the dirt sheet, he wore a bucket hat with a... Oh, no. Sorry, it wasn't even a bucket hat. It was a fedora. Fedora. With a bandana underneath. Oh, my God. Double your pleasure. (laughs) Oh, and so... I think I'll uh... break out in hives if I look at that for too long. (laughs) But we here we have the Miz wearing his rhinestone flame trip pants. Oh my god! And as well on those pants, he's got suspenders. Yes, which he said used to get caught on everything. <laughs> like that is so dangerous. The suspenders. I know two wrestlers who've used suspenders. One was the Miz, and yeah, it definitely did inhibit him. And there was like a, a female wrestler at the time called uh, Crystal. She's the wife of Bobby Lashley now, and she wants like. This is like during the, uh, the time in wrestling where the most important thing for the women on SmackDown was if they wore a cute outfit or not. Right, yeah, So course. she had these, like, suspenders on and, like, stri- like one move into the match, like, the suspenders, like, whoosh, it comes off and, like, slaps ah! in the eye. Like, ah! Like, every move, it's, like, so, it's, like, worsening with mouse traps or something. It's oh. Suspenders in wrestling. No, we don't use them. They're silly. Why not like dungarees in wrestling? Hmm. No. Much more practical. I mean, I'm pro Waluigi in wrestling in any sort. <laughs> does like, he, so. he does. He does wear. I mean, if Miz pulled up those suspenders onto him, he'd look proper silly, like. Well, and he doesn't currently. S- sorry, proper silly er. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I would get bring out in hives and a cold sweat if that was what to happen. I'll tell you what, though. You know, this is this might seem like. We're on the similar ground here, ring gear-wise, mm. but very much an important distinction. Colin Delaney has got suspendery bits, but that's because he's got a singlet that's pulled down to his See, waist. That's, that's a good look. Classic look. Yeah, that's a good look. That's a great look. If I was to ever have been a wrestler, I would, I would have rocked really? that. Oh, it's a great look, you know? It's a little bit like, yeah, you know, I'm not fully put on my ring gear, you know, I might later, you know, it's casual, you know, it's yeah. good, it's very good. It's like with like, pictures of the Prime Minister at home wearing real clothes to make him seem normal, like, you know, it, it, it humanises them. So we're going to take a little bit of a different approach at some of our matches here now, because we've been going into, like, a lot of matches and big moves and all that stuff, 
But I think it might be helpful, Joe, if you tell the folks at home, what is the story of this match here that we're watching? So The Miz and John Morrison are the tag champions. Mm -hmm. And they're very cocky and arrogant. As evidenced by their web series. Their web series and their ring gear and their general demeanour. Tommy Dreamer and his jobber friend Colin Delaney are challenging them in an extreme rules match. Now, Joe... We're nothing if not stickler for the rules here on How To Wrestling. But what did you reckon an extreme rules match was? I have no idea and I was going to ask you. (laughs) I don't know why you're asking me. Right, so when ECW relaunched, you know, classic ECW, no rules, no countouts, you know, anything goes. You you always had to finish the matches, anything could happen. That's why all the matches were violent and had chairs and stuff. When ECW relaunched, they made it a point to say, that not all the matches were like that, only the matches that they said would be under extreme rules. Okay. So extreme rules meant that it's exactly the same as a street fight or an ODQ or a no-holds-barred match. It's not a hardcore match because you can't pin them outside the ring, but it happened in ECW. But what happens is after this for a few years, because we have extreme rules, the pay-per-view now as well, that was then just used as a moniker to apply to like any sort of a non-typical wrestling match. Oh. With rules. That's boring. So, extreme rules, folks. That's what it's all about. My only favourite play on this at the time was that there was a wrestling teacher character called Matt Stryker on ECW who said that he had his own version of extreme rules where there would be an extreme enforcement of the rules. Oh, I like that. No hair pulling, no closed fists, break of the referee's count of five or instant disqualification. I like that. (laughs) It's amazing we got through those ECW episodes, isn't it? (laughs) There's four people in this match. Miz, Morrison, Dreamer, Delaney. How did Miz fare in your mind compared to I me? Mean, you've watched a lot of Miz matches. Obviously, we do all of our pay-per-view reviews on our How to Wrestling Patreon page, and Miz is featured there a lot and had some barn burners in the last few years. How did Miz get on here in 2008? He didn't really do much. I mean, he was he was there he sure somewhere. Was, yeah. I mean, he wasn't there very much, but he was there somewhere at um, some points. Yeah. <laughs> He did, I think, maybe one or two moves. Oh, man. It's so weird. He did, like, almost nothing. He did almost nothing, and he took the pin. I think <laughs> that might have been 50% of his manoeuvres in that match. So, to clarify, taking the pin meant that he he, he got the pin Sorry, he, victory. he got the pin, not took the pin. I see. So, I mean, did you enjoy this match? Now... I love a good wrestling t-shirt. Uh, more often than not, I am recording this podcast in a wrestling t-shirt. What's Hoover's Sledgehammers? Hoover's and Sledgehammers. Unfortunately, this is not. This would be a great tag team, like Hoover's yeah. and Sledgehammers. Now, this is an obscure Irish band that oh. I was a big fan of back in the day. I, I, all the time I've known you, I assumed that was a wrestling t-shirt. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Hoover's and Sledgehammers. Come on. It sounds exactly like a tag team. No, I know, right? It's now, got a bird. I mean, they, they, were two, two, they were a tag team, but an oddball musical tag team. I'll play some Hoover's and Sledgehammers later on very much the the soundtrack to my youth (laughs) (laughs) Miz has his own t-shirt here doesn't he I wish he wouldn't what's his t-shirt it's so bad it's a I didn't know what it was for years. It's, you can barely make it out. It's very. It doesn't read. It looks like clip art. It's very <laughs> shit looking. It looks like you're debuting on the main roster. Would you like some help <laughs> with your t-shirt design? Oh yeah, this is literally if Clippy designed a t-shirt. It's got a chick on it, and then it's got 
a magnet. A chick is in like what? Oh, as in a baby bird. A baby bird. A peep. Yeah, you know me. I like to talk about women as chicks. Chicks. <laughs> chicks and dudes and babes and bros. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a chick magnet t-shirt and it's fucking awful. Because he's a chick magnet. Is he though? In that outfit? In Ooh. those rhinestone? I don't know. They did. They flame did do, trip pants. They did do a thing on ECW with The Miz where he owned the contracts of the Extreme Expose, who were the risque dance troupe who would dance on uh, on ECW. Kelly Kelly, Layla, and... Brooke. <laughs> that took all of my... <laughs> Really, recesses of your really mind. Really struggling there, Brooke. Yeah, What's but it, back there? Is it dusty? It is very, very dusty. And uh, yeah, they, they made it like the Miz was always surrounded like loads of women on his arm and ECW and all that. Like. I mean, I get to... Oh, Jesus Christ. So lame. Like. He's a chick magnet in that somehow, even with his terrible debut, he managed to attract Maurice. Yeah, and you know what? That's the one thing about that debut of his that I guess you can never take away from is that he met his... Beautiful, talented, somehow, incredible wife. Somehow. Yeah. I just I just don't understand how someone like Maurice can look at someone like Mike Mizanin and just see him talk. <laughs> Mizanin like... sounds like a medicine like <laughs> Sorry, Mizanin. And see him do that debut and think, yeah, that's the guy I'm gonna marry. <laughs> Joe, are you telling me that you don't know how it could be that uh, that someone could you know, that, that a woman could look at someone who's brash, annoying and makes a complete fool of himself and still want to go out with them like Yeah, what the hell? Can I tell the story of our first kiss? Well it's not up to me. I mean You see I reason I bring this up is because when I first started going on dates with Joe and I was working up the courage to uh to kiss her. This is your shit debut. This is my shit debut. This is me looking at my hands like, and if you want to kiss me, just dial 8765. <laughs> so, um, you, you might as well, you t- tell them what happened when when, uh, when Kevin went to kiss you the first time. Okay, well, we were outside in my garden. It was a lovely summer day. I think it was May sometime. Yep. I had poured us some Bloody Marys, as is my brand. Power play. Yep. Kevin had just made me a brownie. So power play. Power play. Just well, saying right off there. Off to a good start. That's just saying that is the Maurice doing an evocative French promo and Kevin wearing a really sexy affliction t-shirt <laughs> as the Miz. This is the kind of the, 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 the parallels here. And we decided to go drink our Bloody Marys outside in the garden while the brownie cooked. And we sat down on my... I had one chair in my garden, which is this long plastic lounge chair. And Kevin sat down on it, and it snapped in half. Boom! And Kevin uh, fell I over. I came to play! <laughs> <laughs> no, you fell over, and it was very funny. It was. I completely landed right on my arse, and I spilled Bloody Mary on myself. You did, and you looked so embarrassed that I had to kiss you. Yeah. I had to, like, fix this moment and not just, like... Because I figured if yeah. I didn't do that, you would just go home and never speak to me again. And we are recording this on what is close to our fifth anniversary. <laughs> and I have to say thank you so much for continuing this relationship and starting this podcast, assumedly out of embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I am very flattered to be compared to uh, Maurice with her bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> 
I should be pointing out, though, in regards to the whole thing with, with Miz and having all the women on his arm, it was later revealed that because he owned their contracts that he was, like, <laughs> insisting... Like, they were contractually obligated as chicks to be magnetised to him. Wow. Like, you know, it's like, they have to be with me, like, at all times. That's not really a chick magnet, then, is it? No, that's a chick contract. Yeah. That's different right there. So, yeah. That's, like... An electromagnet because ah. you can turn it on and off, and there's a lot more manipulation involved there. Very true, very manipulative form of magnetism yeah. right there. So, the commentary in this one is mostly light chuckles and whatnot. It's pretty hideous, the commentary in this one. But I really enjoyed this match, in spite of Miz not doing a lot. Joe, I was going to ask you, what were some of your hashtag top spots in this one? My first top spot was definitely John Morrison's slow mo entrance. Ooh. See, this is just exactly what I would want from any type of hunky wrestler is them to come out, stand there in a cool pose, in a cool outfit, and have a big fan blowing in their face. I feel big fans should be more prominent in wrestling. Oh, yeah. There's so many wrestlers I would love to see in front of a big fan. They use it with Mandy fan. Rose. When she comes out, they, they, they blow her hair a little bit. like. But they do. Miz and Morrison would start coming in together and they would do their thing in summer where Miz would slowly hold up the belt and it looked awesome visually it was yeah. really really good very like. cool and great for photographers i imagine as well did you like uh miz's special walk oh yeah he looks like he's wading through hummus <laughs> or concrete that's just been stirred up <laughs> next top spot joe the miz knocking colin delaney in the head with a trash can and colin delaney falling over even though colin was wearing a helmet <laughs> makes no sense those trash cans are like nothing yeah definitely uh, with like a helmet i mean i got a helmet once and i ran into a few walls when i was 15 you yeah know? i was fine pretty much were you touch wood you know are you okay <laughs> i'm fine it's all right the nice lady made me a bloody mary and gave me a kiss <laughs> my third top spot was the Miz kicking the helmet and then it bouncing back and hitting him. Oh, this is literally one of Miz's three offensive manoeuvres in the match is against the helmet. Oh, and then it just attacks back. And like, when we say Miz isn't doing much, it's not as if he's getting a lot of moves done to him. No, no, he's just not there. It's fucking like, it's... It's it's borderline criminal when mm. you've got John Morrison who's doing a moonsault with a bin. To, oh, you know. it's like some really great wrestling in this match. Yeah. Like I genuine, I know my top spots were all silly things, but that's just my taste. Mm. My top spots are probably always going to be ridiculous. Yeah, I yeah. just don't consider wrestling moves to be my favourite part of wrestling. That being said, I really did enjoy this match. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, John Morrison's a great wrestler. Tommy Dreamer's a great wrestler. Cotton Delaney, I really love him as a wrestler, too. So. I love that you've got the mix-up of the two kind of, like, obvious chosen hunk boys. Yeah. And then you've got this kind of real scrawny kid and this guy who's, like, Joe Everyman kind of in Tommy Dreamer. It's such a mixed match of styles. Wait, were you referring to The Miz as a hunk? Well, it was pro- you know, I guess it's probably not a... Uh, <laughs> he's more of a frunk than a hunk, I guess. That's a phrase I will use. I feel bad because like, I will pretty much call anyone a hunk, but I just feel this era of The Miz is not a hunk. No. He does not deserve the hunk status. He got so much from, from John Morrison. That's like a literal lifeline for him. Yeah. Right? They, did, they did a lot of feuding later on when Miz became a singles wrestler. And the idea was like, because Miz did rise to prominence, you know, we're talking a little bit of a period now where after they broke up Miz, you know, he won undisputed tag championship he was uh he was the u.s champion at the same time he had three belts at one point which no one in the modern era has actually done he was wwe champion and john morrison never rose above the intercontinental or u.s title he was kind of you know had a 
you know, had, had a, an end to his momentum, so to speak. And they had a lot of fun dichotomy in their feuds because every time Miz would be like, everyone made out that I was the weak link in the partnership and you were carrying me. But look at me, I'm the top guy and you're just oh. down there as usual. And in many respects, fun as it was as a storyline and the, you know, the playoff of, because Sean, you know, the Rockers, it was a tie team we talked about in the Big Bossman episode. It was Sean Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Now you obviously knew who Sean Michaels was. Marty Jannetty, I'm assuming you haven't heard that name I much. had heard of the name before, but I couldn't tell you who he is, what he's done, why I've heard it before. Yeah, not, not you know, and they would say, you know, you're the Gennetti, I'm, I'm the Shawn Michaels. And that was wow. kind of making it that Miz was destined to be the Gennetti, but he overshadowed it. And unfortunately, I think for John Morrison, I do think, even though they're good friends and all that still, I think that the Miz's rise, a lot of it was almost at the expense of John Morrison. I'd like, you couldn't make the story of the Miz being unexpectedly great without getting across that John Morrison was unexpectedly not as great as we were led to be believed. I think he's fabulous, John Morrison. See, I do too. I don't really understand in what way he's not great. Like, he's got a great look. He's mm. got great charisma. Like, he can just stand there and look cool. I mean, very few people can be as muscular and as, like, you know, solid-looking as him mm. and can do springboards yeah. and all that shit. You know, way ahead of its time for Absolutely, 2008. Yeah. And I know you said that he couldn't really talk, but all the bits in the dirt sheet, he was really funny. And mm. Live quite... audience, though. I guess I've not seen him in front of a yeah. live audience. The problem is, they start... once the dirt sheet caught on and got popular, they started doing the dirt sheet in front of a live crowd uh-huh. and the difference was noticeable there that John Morrison when he has the voice that sounds like this but John Morrison when he maybe gets a little bit nervous and you could just tell he didn't have that quiet coolness doesn't translate to a big arena fun fact on the dirt sheet when Miz and Morrison they feuded with DX they brought out in classic wrestling style you bring out imitators to pretend to be your opponents for you to mock and beat up and the impersonators they brought out to be dx Shawn michaels and triple h was the young bucks whoa i know so the young bucks were an end to a joke for the miz and morrison wow fucking weird right that's a random crossover very random wrestling was very wrestling didn't know what the fuck it was doing in 2008 (laughs) for truth be told would you recommend this for folks what do you give us i would actually if you i mean more for a the rest i mean I recommend it, but not if you want to just see The Miz. It's, yeah. It's not a great example of The Miz. It's a great example of The Miz at the time, though, I at think. At the time, yeah, sure. Yeah. But, like, don't watch this hoping to get a good idea of, like, just The Miz generally as a wrestler. Mm. If you want to see some John Morrison wrestling, some Colin Delaney, some Tommy Dreamer, who are all great competitors on their own, I would say, yes, watch this. I gave it a solid three out of five stars. Nice. It was a good match. So Miz starts dressing up like a wrestler around this time. He does uh, start wearing trunks and stuff uh, for the first time around this time. But the very first time he started to wear trunks was when he was a surprise competitor. Is that right? He Yes. He wore a mask and came out as, I forget the name. The Calgary Kids. That was it. Because he was fired by 2009. He was fired by Jeremy Piven and Ken Jeong. When, what? When they were guest hosting an episode of Raw which is most famous for uh, Jeremy Piven calling SummerSlam the Summerfest. No, that sounds like some old harvest festival <laughs> on an old English island. That Killing involves- me won't bring back your summer flowers. Burn is in a giant effigy of Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't burn me in the Summerfest. <laughs> 
And yeah, also famous for Ken Jeong being uh, press-slammed by John Cena over the top rope and no one catching him. Oh, God, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, it's Pippin and stand-up talking oh. about that. It's like, wrestling's fucking real, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they brought in guest hosts at the time and Miz was kind of used as like... Miz had like an anti-Cena thing. They were using Miz to kind of... To try and turn the anti-Cena movement against itself. Because everyone hated The Miz. He was one of the few heels who was just hated. And everyone you know, hated John Cena at the time. Those We Hate Cena shirts started popping up. So they had Miz come out with like a Cena with an X through its shirt. Like, I hate John Cena. He's the worst. And everyone was like booing him. The idea would be like, oh, well, if we all hate The Miz and The Miz hates John Cena, we will have a match where The Miz and John Cena are both booed. Oh, okay. Never mind about that. <laughs> But yeah, he did uh, start wearing the tights as the Calgary Kid. So he was given a chance as the Calgary Kid to win a contract. And he came out under a mask with the big jersey. And he said that absolutely no one recognised him because it was the first time anyone had seen him in trunks. Which, to be fair, compared to trip pants and trip shorts, The Miz, yeah, you wouldn't know it was him. Like You can't really tell much about his body shape in his earlier days of wrestling because he wears a lot of very baggy clothing. Yeah, I I watched this episode of Raw at the time and I was completely swerved, mainly because his opponent was Eugene. I was like, well, me, Billy Keeble and the rest of the world are assuming Eugene's about to be rehired for another great run, like, great (laughs) roll through the hay of that character. But no, it was the Calgary kid who wins. And then just as he wins, he pulls off his mask and reveals that it's, it was me, The Miz. Now, The Miz had, I mean, there's hat hair and then there's mask hair. Mm. He looked fucking grotesque when he took that mask Aww. off. It really didn't suit him. His faux hawk was like going into his face. <laughs> it looked awful. Like I don't think anyone can pull off the mask hair look. Miz debuted his new catchphrase at that time as well. I'm the Miz, and I'm awesome. <laughs> You remember when awesome became a new mainstream word? Awesome. Awesome. I mean, for me, I've always loved the word awesome. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't say Mike anything. Awesome. Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job, you know? Big subscriber to awesome. I don't think I started using the word awesome until I was like 15. Really? I think so, yeah. Huh. How about yeah. mega? No. No one says that. Bodacious. No. My... My, I don't know why I know this, but my primary school teacher insisted Mega wasn't a word. Have you heard anyone talking about the Sega Mega Drive? She'd be like, look, boom, big old dictionary. It's not a word. Stop saying it. Now, Mega is a mega word. It is real. Of course it's a word. Yeah. What, what dictionary was she looking in? The wrong dictionary. The Nintendo dictionary. <laughs> I don't know. That's strange. So this is time now where Miz with his new look, new momentum, new catchphrase, new music... I came to pay. There's a price to play. Time to get down on your knees and pay. Say goodbye to the good old days. Never coming back. I came to play. And the best thing about all of this, and the main reason I wanted to talk about that theme, is around this time, Miz did form a tag team with the Big Show. And what was their tag team called? The Big Awesome? No. Show Miz. Ah, There's no Mizness like Show Mizness. I literally only got that like when we were doing our research. The whole time I was like, yeah, Show Miz. Oh, okay. Showbiz. Get it now, right? Oh, yeah. I get it now. You've told me. Yeah. Like when badass Billy Gunn and the Big Show formed a tag team called the Shoguns. Yeah. And I always thought like, oh, your special guns that you have out for the show. No, Shoguns, like Shogun Warriors. Duh, obviously. Which they are obviously like. It's obviously the two white men of yeah. different sizes. Now, I didn't show Joe much, if anything, of The Miz's time with the tag team of The Big Show. 
No. But there's one very special thing I did show you. Yes, you showed me their mashup music. Was this their official music? It was their absolute official music. That's amazing. That's like the best thing WWE has ever done. Now, the Big Show's music starts off with a... Well, well, it's the Big Show. And the Miz's theme starts off with... Awesome. So how do we get these two things together? Well, awesome. I came to play Big Show. <laughs> Time for you to get that news. Very. I came to burn down on Big Show. Fucking great. It is great. It's been stuck in my head ever since. Oh, yay. Now, oftentimes, I like to think about us doing sad white lady cover versions mm. of wrestling entrance songs. Now, The Miz, as covered by Cat Power or whatever, I came to play it as a price to pay it. I to get down your knees and pray. You sound like Terry Funk. <laughs> the song was too sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel in this one, you could have, you know, I came to play it. And then you could have a Tom Waits, Big Show! <laughs> We're at the Big Show! I would love to hear a cover of Big Show's yeah. theme by Tom Waits. I think, Tom, you know, you've not got many albums left in you. <laughs> But if you want to go and do that wrestling album, I know some people who can make it happen. Like me, Tom Waits, and Jimmy Hart. I'd have my hand on the in the in the recording studio, my hand on the cans, going, "It sounds good, man. Be great, like." <laughs> <laughs> so this does lead to Miz winning Money in the Bank. This contract. We talked a bit about the Miz being Daniel Bryan's mentor in NXT, and this was all like this world building at the time. The Miz was everywhere. He was very effective heel because he was like. He was tag champions. He was Daniel Bryan's mentor. He was money in the bank. Like, he was everywhere at all times. It's so strange that he was, like, he's obviously being pushed mm. so much. And yet, it's he's not a good wrestler. I know. He still wasn't there entirely. Like. But, like, this is an era of wrestling where I feel like wrestling was given quite a lot of weight. Even though the wrestling wasn't necessarily good around yeah. this time. Unlike today, where there's an appreciation more for the entertainment value and it being an entertainment business, I feel at this period, it was taken quite seriously as it's a wrestling wrestling. Yeah. Is that fair to say? I mean... Because then you've got The Miz just, like, being everywhere. I think the reality is, is because the show was much less popular back then, it probably had that appearance with the fan base because the fans who were watching still wanted it to be more serious. But the reality was, is WWE were trying very desperately to make it an entertainment show and try and make it as all-encompassing as possible. And, like, I can't think of a better bit of, like, masterful heel work. And it got Daniel Bryan over. We talked about it in our episode about Bryan. But putting The Miz being, like, Daniel Bryan's mentor. The Miz, who had three, four years experience at the time. Bryan, 15-year world traveler. (laughs) And you got The Miz going, where's your personality? You're never going to get over. No, you're in the WWE now. You're floundering. Oh, man. The worst (laughs) thing about it was that they constantly proved The Miz right because Bryan struggled on NXT in storyline. And Miz would always beat him up afterwards. Oh, no. And as well, at the same time, I had to explain to Joe... That on commentary at the time, we had a special heel who was a big fan of The Miz. Michael Cole. Oh, yeah. 
random fan. Is that strange for you that Michael Cole was one of the biggest bad guys in wrestling at the time? Yes, it is. It's strange. So was he like the equivalent of Corey Graves or something? Way worse. Like Corey Graves would be like, hey, I'll say something snarky now and then. Yeah. Cole would literally be like, shut up. It's The Miz. The Miz is great because The Miz is like me. I got bullied when I came here. The Rock made like a fool of me for all these years and I proved that I was more than that and I'm and Miz proves that as well and they were like too horrible like everyone hated Cole on commentary everyone hated Miz as a wrestler and you've got this guy on commentary going on and on and on about how great the Miz was and how it's his time he's the must-see superstar of all time it was fucking hideous and magical at the I mean, same time it, it sounds fantastic honestly I, I love the sound of it but what did he do when it wasn't a Miz match on oh he would be heels about various things like he was a anti-Daniel Bryan as well so anytime Daniel Bryan was on screen he's like this guy's a nerd he's a vegan he doesn't even, even own a TV he doesn't watch the product <laughs> uh, he would be against he would be against a lot of the, the, the faces at the time but when it would come to stuff like John Cena and stuff like that he would kind of tone it down a little bit it'd be more about like when The Miz was on screen or Daniel Bryan or sometimes he would like complain about the women as well, but they were boring and stuff like that. Jesus. So it was pretty like it's I, so. Take it back. I don't enjoy it. I mean, it's so strange to think that it was like nearly two and a half, three years of Cole as a bad guy on commentary. Like it went on and on. Wow. And it was all because of like the, him and the Miz. That was it. Like they were together, had this rise as this horrible, aggressive, fucking nasty pair. You pointed out that Michael Cole had a special box yes, that he had to live in. The coal mine. The coal mine. His fortress of aptitude where he had to stay because Jerry Lawler wanted to beat him up all the time. Jerry Lawler, when The Miz did win the WWE Championship, The Miz's first two title defences were against Jerry Lawler. Bloody hell. He wrestled Jerry Lawler in a TLC match. Oh. And then he wrestled him at No Way Out and like the week before... Cherry Lawler's mother died and they had Michael Cole do a pro- promo where he's like how did it feel when you were lying on your back and the Miz beat you and, <laughs> your, and your mother was looking down from heaven thinking my god my son has failed me it's like oh my god I don't know I feel if you've raised a son like Jerry Lawler you're looking up from hell <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> so Miz's championship run was Definitely a breath of fresh air at the time because we had a lot of Cena and Orton and not much else going on at the time. And wrestling was was a bit of a tough watch. But everything was going to be okay because we were coming up to WrestleMania 27. And who's only coming back? It's The Rock! The Rock's going to be the host of WrestleMania 27. And the main event is going to be The Miz versus John Cena. Yay. God, 2011 was a dark time. Yeah, think about it. I emigrated to this country and this was the WrestleMania you gave me. Come on now, for fuck's sake, like. (laughs) How about giving it a proper go? (laughs) So there's no way in hell that we were going to go through an episode about The Miz and not talk about his one WrestleMania main event, the biggest match of his career at the time. This was The Miz and John Cena. In WrestleMania 27's main event. What's the uh, little story going into this one, Joe? Well, the story is basically that the match was heavily implied that The Rock would be involved. Yeah. And he isn't. No, he's he's not until very much later on in the end. But people thought it was going to be John Cena versus The Rock. Or The Miz and John Cena with The Rock as the special guest referee. Or The Miz versus The Rock, even. Yeah, if you were expecting any of those things, you'd be very disappointed. I mean... 
you got a feel for the fucking guy. You finally win the championship. You have a bit of momentum. You have to wrestle Jerry Lawler twice in the build-up to this as your big feud. And then you finally get your match against John Cena. And I think if he's a, an afterthought, he aspires to be an afterthought in this one, The Miz. It, it just shows you that in WWE, there's like, you know, you can be a champion, you can be the top person, but not be the top person at all. And Miz doesn't seem like a top person here, I don't no, think. No, he doesn't. What about that video package they show at the start with The Miz, the Hate Me Now package? I loved, the packages here were strange because I loved the Mrs. video package. I know you mentioned earlier that you did too. Yeah, I think it was one of my all-time faves, that one. It kind of summarises his career so far and it's like, you know, it's quite comprehensive in some respects. I love that they have the analogies of showing, like, it's like, you know, Ric Flair and then it cuts to Miz on reality shows going, this is the true story of the... <laughs> He's sitting in, like, a room full of monitors mm. and uh, in a dark room watching his his highlights of his career. Now, I've got to ask, though, at one point in the video package, you see the Miz with a peeling face. Ah, yes. What is up with that? So... In the build-up to this, The Rock, who was busy filming all sorts of Hollywood shit at the time, he made a few big appearances, making fun of John Cena, making fun of The Miz, implying heavily he was going to be involved in his duties as host of WrestleMania in the match. But it was always kind of like, oh, will Rock be here this week? Because they would try and surprise you with whether he'd come or not. And there was one week where Michael Cole was saying on commentary, I have it on good authority that The Rock is going to be here tonight. It was like the go-home show before WrestleMania. And I was like, but wait a minute, he's meant to be doing stuff for G.I. Joe too. How could he be here tonight for the, the wrestling show? No way. And all through the night cold that he was like, no, 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 don't care what anyone says, The Rock is going to be here. And then right at the end of the night when, the John, when John Cena was wrestling, The Rock's music hit and The Miz came out with a bald cap on and kind of a, a heavy tan and some sunglasses Pret- Wait, he blacked up. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. Isn't the Rock Samoan? The Rock is Samoan and Canadian African, so uh, is, is is official kind of. That's or not as, a light as, tan. As the Rock has nicely put it for himself, confusingly in these times, I transcend race. So um, right. thanks for that. But, okay, which might make it a bit difficult to see the wrongness of this. But the reason the Miz had a peeling face was because he beat up John Cena pretending to be The Rock. And like, it's like, it's, it was like, The Rock's music. And as soon as he came, I go, that's not The Rock. Like, all it did was make you think it's not The Miz. So, <laughs> so that was why he had a peeling face in his oh, video package. Thanks. Now, The Miz saying there in this video package, again, I'd rather you hate me for something I am than love me for something I'm not. And then John Cena's video package oh, hits. God. Lord Jesus, I pray to you every day. Lord Jesus... Open up your heart and let me and all your children inside. It's war. Do they have the Harlem People's Choir? Yeah. Boom! Massive. Like, I'm trying to think how many people they must have had on that stage. There's at least 40 or 50. At least. It's a big choir. It's beautiful sounding. Yeah. But this is 2011 and we hate John Cena. You know? Yeah, they immediately got booed. And it felt very bad for them. I was led to believe that this choir was probably not prepared for this reaction. I don't think I was going to say, now look, 
these people fucking hate this guy and they're going to boo your gospel singing quite a lot. So I, have a thick skin. I guess they thought because he was against the Miz that they could make them boo the Miz more. Mm. Well, they underestimated how much people hate John Cena. Like, not even the most severe of Christian imagery can make them like John Cena here. <laughs> There's a bit where they're like, Lord Jesus, I love you more than anything. And it's like John Cena, then it fades away to like a very serious child looking at him like... I don't know. I didn't make my Catholicism unlapse this one, but no. it was pretty fucking heavy-handed. I don't know where it came from. I've never heard John Cena doing anything remotely religious or Christian. Do you think they were like, oh no, John Cena, he's a total Christian warrior. Look at the video package, see? And you'll do it for free now? if you <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get the Christian discount, like, you know. Now, John Cena was talking about chain gangs and shit at the time. He was, in absolutely no way was he a Christian soldier, like, they're making out. Bizarre. So, yeah. Cena appears and gets big booze in this one. But when The Miz comes out, he comes out through a very... <laughs> I'd love to know your thoughts on this. I thought it looked very silly, but Miz's special entrance when he actually comes out... With the big balloons. The big balloons. Let's say, awesome. Well, I liked them. Did the, you? The only problem was you could see them assembling them in the background just beforehand. And struggling with these two very awkward large balloons. <laughs> the hairdryer over it, like, we should have got up home, but I don't know, like, you know, this is bad. This is taking ages. I would have thought you'd love John Cena's entrance, mainly because anytime you see stained glass, you mark out. It's not real stained glass, though, it's just a picture of some. So, has to be the real deal, like, mm. you know. Would you like a wrestler to incorporate some real stained glass, like, you know? I don't feel it needs it. You're, you're definitely your father's daughter. Your dad loves loves yes. stained glass as well. So it'll be interesting if Stone Cold Steve Austin have that, you know, the glass shadows, <gasps> a stained Smashing glass. It. <laughs> How dare he? <laughs> Burning beautiful stained glass. Introducing the challenger. Boo! Next, introducing the champion. Boo! <laughs> what do you think of Mrs. Hotel Chocolat Coat? Looked very like it was brown and shiny, had lots of embellishments on it, like you know. Oh, it's a bit like the one he wears now, it's a bit like his Naruto coat. Nowhere near as cool. So, the commentators for this one were Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, who on in paper it's like, Whoa, JR and the King and the Rock's gonna be here. This is gonna be like the Attitude Era, but I don't think either man is particularly enthusiastic to talk about The Miz or John Cena. The best we get from JR is, uh. The Miz is quite an intelligent WWE <laughs> champion. Oh, it's all going down tonight, lads. Yes. What did you think of the fact that Miz was orange? I mean, he certainly was very orange. But that's all I really have to say about his orangeness. I mean, the fake tan in wrestling and the, the culture of tanning in wrestling. I mean, is it still the case that people think that you have to have a tan for your because the idea is that if you're tanned the muscles look more defined and it looks mm. better again the bit of baby oil for the same reason mm. but i don't know i feel that cesaro and seamus and some other pale folks have shown us that it's not necessary to be this color oh yeah no definitely as as with anything diversity is the best part of it Miz looks like a pumpkin here though yeah, it's a bad fake tan. I'm, I mean, I'm fine with with tans so long as they're not shit. Yeah. This is a shit tan. It's a very bad tan, and also improperly applied. Mm. The back of the legs, the back of the knees. I mean, if you're gonna put it on, it's gonna be on. Like you're not wearing your trip shorts now, Miz. You're wearing big boy <laughs> pants. I struggle to think that we'll be able to get here. And perhaps this was not the best episode to bring in our new way of looking at matches with you, Joe. But what were your three top spots from this one? So my first top spot was that 
when John Cena tripped over the Miz and fell into the ropes. Oh my god. It was like, I think most of Miz's offense, and he's in control for this, because it's the old John Cena match. Beat up, beat up, beat up, beat up, beat up, overcome the odds, the end. And Miz has punched him and kicking him. And the one move that he does, I'm not even sure what he tried to do. He threw him against the ropes and then John tripped on him, I think. Yeah. And just, he nearly fucking decapitated yeah. himself on that rope. Looks really scary. And well, the only good thing about this is that it reminded me of the time that Enzo fell through those ropes. But because he was <laughs> smaller, his head got caught and he got really sore. And uh-huh. that, that was fun. Yeah. Speaking of it as turns. well. In the research for this one, we had to sit down and watch Miz's evisceration of Enzo Amore, where he's like, Hey, I'm here to talk to the Miz. He's like, Shut the fuck up. You're a piece of shit. Everyone hates you. Miz, Miz, Miz. <laughs> it's nine minutes and it's great and it's on YouTube and it is required listening. Second top spot then. Great quote from Jim Ross Something seems to have knocked off John Cena's equilibrium. I wonder what that could have been. Yeah, so John's like not fighting back, basically. So they tried to go for this. Well, idea that he's been, like, not loopy. But the, and then JR's like, what could it have been, King? And King's like, uh, maybe one of the many punches and kicks that he's done. Definitely not the moment where he tripped over the Miz and fell into the ropes. Yeah, he fucking headbutted the rope. Like, mm-hmm. good lord. Top spot, Ivra Tree. The draw at a WrestleMania main event where The Rock was expected to appear but doesn't. So, yeah, explain the finish here, what actually happens here with us, because they go to the outside of the ring, don't they? And then Miz takes a bit of a tumble. Oh, God. Oh, this is scary. Miz gets thrown against the barricade and then tumbles backwards, and then John Cena... I can't remember what movie does. He I think does. he just closes the two of them go over lines. together. He clotheslines yeah. him. Yeah, and he just fucking wallops him over, and he falls like the Miz falls like two or three meters behind the barricade onto the the floor, which hasn't got mats on. It's, it's just pure concrete, and you can see his head bounce off it. And the noise. And the, it's horrible. It is fucking horrible. It's like literally someone has thrown a load of steaks off a fucking balcony onto a patio down below. Just, no. just fucking horrid. It's really nasty. You can tell straight away that the Miz is he's gone, gone completely. He ain't there anymore. And that's sad because what follows after this is essentially all of the match that people wanted to see. So as you said, yeah, we got a countdown. We got a, a draw at WrestleMania. And the fans are so bored by the match they can barely muster the enthusiasm to boo the supposed screwy finish. So then The Rock comes out. Yep, The Rock comes out and he says some words. It doesn't matter what you think. And he he beats up John Cena. Yep, restarts the match. And then The Miz comes back into the ring, obviously with a concussion. This is like, honestly, no exaggeration. This is like Sandman Cactus Jack's yeah. level of concussion. Like. Totally. The Miz manages to pin John Cena. The Miz wins. And then you have this really awkward bit where the Miz, he's handed his belt and he kind of, he can tell he doesn't even know what it is. Which, considering the Miz has had a championship belt on him since he was like 12 years old. No one touches the Miz's belt. <laughs> some shape or form. <laughs> And he's there with The Rock, who it was like his favourite wrestler as a child. A like, total idol. Oh, no, because like, this is like your dream as a kid, yeah. right? Like, this is like literally, if if someone told me when I was 12, you're going to main event WrestleMania as a bad guy, and then you're going to have a screwy win, and then, like, you know, mankind's going to beat you up in front of everyone to send the crowd home happy. That's literally, like, that's the dream spot and moment. You're yeah. going to get the people's elbow from The Rock, and... You know what, fair folks to The Rock, The Rock really handles him with kid gloves because he, he knows he can't go against the ropes, so he just kind of 
pulls him in close and puts him down gently. Oh, it's I didn't like, even notice. Yeah, usually for the people's elbow, you go against the ropes, he picks you up with the big spine buster. Right. Then he turns around. But here, it's just like, here he pulls his arm in and out. And it's just like, it's okay, Miz. Put you down oh. there. And the Miz is facing the wrong way for the people's elbow. But he does it anyway. <laughs> it's just so hard. Like, at one point, the Miz tries to climb up onto the turnbuckle to, like, celebrate his brief win. Oh. And he's just, you can't. Yeah, he's just yeah. not there. He had all the presence of a reveler on St. Patrick's Day in Galway stood on a balcony about to hurl on everyone down below. No. He looked unwell. Oh. So, star rating for this main event. Hey, if I had to watch it once, I might as well watch it three fucking times for podcasts. But uh, no. yeah, what do you think of it, Joe? I gave this one star. It was a terrible match. The Miz was terrible in this match. John Cena was terrible in this match. There was just no good wrestling. There was barely any wrestling full stop. That's that's the real thing. Is the people kind of at the time were like, well, the crowd didn't like it because the crowd expected The Rock to be there no, at the end. It's you, a shit match. Yeah, they didn't do anything. Yeah. Like, at all. Yeah. At all, at all, at all. It's amazing how much both The Miz and John Cena have come in the, in the years between. Yeah. Because the fact that John Cena could carry someone to an amazing match now, and The Miz is capable of having amazing matches. Yeah. It's like, and you see these two guys here, this is a main event of WrestleMania. Mm. Like, the thing that you have a main event of WrestleMania this bad and then still be employed for fucking, you know, eight years afterwards is, is impressive. Yeah, it's impressive that they've actually managed to improve. <laughs> so uh, would, you, uh, would you recommend this one for anyone? No. <laughs> Also not recommended viewing is after this, The Miz, unfortunately, you know, he, he ended up losing the belt to John Cena and failed to get it back. That actually, the match where he fails to get it back was the Miz and Alex Riley against John Cena in the I Quit match. Oh. So you can imagine now, this is The Miz, all oh. that momentum with Cole and Daniel Bryan and the big show and then, you know, winning the money in the bank and the belt. And then you have this match, which is bad. And then your follow-up matches aren't great either. And then your big... Aren't great? Come on. He did have one good one with, with Cena and John Morrison in a triple threat. That yeah. was all right. But that I Quit match we watched from the John Cena episode was awful. And awful as a match, as character momentum for, for The Miz. It's literally like, yeah, The Miz is as bad as you all thought he was. Mm. Forget that momentum. He's crap. I quit! I quit! I quit! So the Miz did flounder for a bit after this. Uh, eventually, 2012, after you know being just in, the, you know he he wrestled, I'd say Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston, I think around 200 times each during this period. He was just in the same matches all the time, same shtick. No wonder everyone hated him. Well, then they turned him face because they thought, well, you know, this is the thing, right? When a heel gets so popular that you have to turn him face, it's like, okay, I understand that, but like. When the heel loses all of his momentum and is not fun anymore. They don't know what to do with them. And then you turn him face. Like the night after WrestleMania 27, they did a segment where Steve Austin was in the ring with, with all the Tough Enough competitors. Why don't I introduce everyone to Big Andy and all the people are going to be in the new season of Tough Enough. And they had The Miz come out with a big black eye and he had a cravat on him like he's Paul Merton. And he walked out with the championship and he just eviscerated all these young kids. He's made fun of them all. Like, you know, wow. you're a total badass with the belt, does what he wants. And like that, you know, Fans loved him at that point. But when he finally turned him face, you know what they did? They made him Ric Flair's protege. What? Yeah. How does that even work? Ric Flair, who looked mortified to be there, was like, I see a lot of you, young Miv. Now that you're a, now that you're a good guy, why don't you start doing, woo, my figure four leg locking matches? And they're like, yeah, the Miz, he's a lot like a young Ric Flair. 
No. I mean, you've seen lots of Ric Flair matches. Yes. What would you? How would you describe Rick's wrestling? I mean, I mean, Rick doesn't do a lot of wrestling. Wrestling, like he's not a great. That moves oriented. No, I don't want to say he's not a great wrestler because he is a great wrestler in the way that like Jerry Lawler is a great wrestler without having to do a huge amount of wrestling. He's got a great understanding of the work involved, and pace and psychology, yeah, psychology and, and ent- what's entertaining. Endless cardio. Yes. The Miz yeah. has none of these no, things. No, he's. No. <laughs> God, it's so strange. Now, the figure four leg lock. Uh, Charlotte is the figure eight, of course, in current wrestling. The figure four leg lock is Complicated move. Complicated maneuver. The Difficult c- to pull off. I The figure four leg lock was basically, you want to stop doing backyard wrestling with your friends, then someone goes to the figure four leg lock, gets frustrated, and we all stop and go home and play Smackdown instead. <laughs> the figure four leg lock by The Miz, and you had Ric Flair going, he, he's my new guy, he's the protege. Like, Jesus, like... To have a legend say he's he's my protege and use my finisher. And Miz would like he would just do all his normal moves, his DDT, his clotheslines, his punches and kicks. He would he wouldn't touch the leg, and then he'd go for the figure four leg lock. And there are several matches where he couldn't even get the move on. He would like pick up the leg, he'd turn around, he'd drop the other leg, and then be like, uh. Jesus Christ. And then the person's like, ah, I'm tapping out because of this poorly applied move on a limb that has been worked over. It was awful. Whose terrible idea was that then? Just creative at the time. Ugh. They thought, you know, Miz has got a personality. And, like, all he would do is he would do the same shtick. Say he was awesome. He would go, really? You know, really? His Louis Theroux gimmick that he would do. <laughs> and, like, he, he would just do the same stuff except against heels this time. But it was shit. Like, it was really shit. Because he still wasn't a great wrestler. Really, really floundered. But around this time... Miz did find a little bit of a niche for himself, which was becoming the all-encompassing media man for WWE. He literally was doing every bit of media possible. You know, when Tout was launched, Miz was all over Tout. Miz was one of the first people to use Twitter as an oppressive promotional tool. You know, he was all about that and he would do anything that was asked of him. That was kind of what Miz was known for. He was the guy who could have any match he needed on the card, any media needed to be done, any movie that needed to be made. Miz happily took over the Marine franchise after Marine 3, after uh, John Cena and Ted DiBiase Jr. left the franchise dormant. Miz has went on to make many movies under the WWE Studios banner. And Joe, we had a bit of a task ahead of us to try and find a true classic film from the Miz to watch what did we settle for in the end well I really thought we were going to go for a marine movie no we haven't seen I've seen marine one with John Cena with John Cena and Kimber from Nip Tuck oh yeah she's John's all American wife wow good casting kidnapped (laughs) (laughs) and John has to save her by running but no, we, we didn't watch any marine movies we watched Santa's Little Helper and I shit you not I asked on Twitter couple of times because this is the type of question that needs a bit of prodding yeah what's the best Miz movie and three people sarcastically said santa's little helper so i'm like fine absolutely so on a hot june afternoon joe and i settled in and we watched santa's little helper it was uh it was certainly a movie it was wasn't it yes the required length for movies of this just about just about 85 minutes bell to bell yeah also starring Paige. yes who was actually probably the best thing in it. Yeah, it's pretty good. She was pretty good. And The Miz was pretty good, to be honest. What, what, what is the story? Just so people want to they want to know, okay. should, should I take the plunge and go and watch uh, The Miz in Santa's Little Helper? You might be on the fence between that and Christmas Bounty, because Christmas Bounty was only 70 minutes, and I was very close. 
Paige lured us in, I think. Santa Sil Helper is about Dax the Axe. Not not to be confused with Drax the Destroyer. No. Although a Drax and Dax buddy cop yeah in space. Dax the Axe is played by The Miz. The Miz. And Dax the Axe is a horrible... <laughs> Is you're going to get tired of saying that. No. The Axeman! Dax! Dax the Axe. Dax the Axe is a very mean man who claims he is rich. Yeah. Says his one goal in life is to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. And we start the film off with him at a youth centre where he's saying, you're not going to have any funding for this youth centre and we're going to close you down. And the youth centre manager is like, but it's Christmas. And he's like, ha, yeah. Good. (laughs) Close you down even quicker. Boo! I hate the Miz. Then he goes to work and he gets fired. And then he throws a football at his ex-boss and gets thrown out by security. And um, from there, he goes on a wacky adventure where he has to complete a series of tasks to become Santa's ho-ho-ho. Ho-ho-ho. It was the head... Officer of Holiday Organization and... I'm amazed you remembered that much. Yeah, it was... I I just... I really thought they were like kind of... Because you had like Paige and the other lady kind of going, I'm going to be the ho-ho-ho. No, I'm going to be the ho-ho-ho. It's like, okay, I've heard this a lot from the years of 1999 to 2008. I really hope that... Oh, okay, no, it it is an acronym. It's okay, folks. (laughs) It's all right. The Godfather's not involved with this one. So, Miz learns the secret of holiday cheer. Yes, Santa wants to hire him. And this is a scary fucking Santa. Oh, he's a horrible Santa. Awful Santa. It's all wrong. I'd be a much better Santa than he's, this jabroni. He's got a straightened beard. No Santa should have a straightened beard. Absolutely not. Oh, it's terrible. You get rubbish gifts off that Santa. Yeah, he just looked really crap. A connect? <laughs> Santa wants to hire the Miz... Or Paige. Yeah. He's got these two wrestlers and he they're not wrestlers in the film, obviously, but they are in real life. Paige is an elf. Oh yeah, Paige is an well. elf. She is a, a not a human. This yeah. is canonical now. But Miz is human. So Santa wants to hire one of them to become his ho ho ho. And in the case of the Miz, the Miz has to do various tasks to prove that he's got the right spirit. And most be. most of these tasks involve hijinks, am I am I right in saying that? One of the tasks involves Drax the Axe dressing up as a monkey, going to a children's birthday party and entertaining them while he gets lobbed by food and kids get balls. sick on him. Like honestly what it feels like is like some Hollywood you know, D list director production this is like very much movie by numbers this. Mm. Like you know the the music in this every song is like a, a licensed kind of song like available now and and Starbucks you know <laughs> this is it's very much like this movie has been designed in a way like in the producers to make money in spite of itself yeah lots of shots of like particular cars yes, that the characters are driving absolutely. around Miz gets three different cars in this movie mm-hmm. for instance but it feels like a lot of this movie is like look Miz we know you're a great guy you know you got personality people are, are drawn to you as a brand let's just film some random segments. It's like you in a bar fight with some bikers or you with some kids dressed up as a monkey or you in an obstacle course in a forest and then we'll think like on oh, in a few years time we might just put together a movie and it's like then they added in some other scenes to add these strange vignettes together and somehow make a movie about Christmas 
Christmas. I feel like all of the tasks were all sponsored by the location they're at. Yeah. Like the, the, the ball pit place where he goes for his second task. It's like, yeah, we will pay you money to yeah. make this film if you set this one particular task in our kids play area the whole cast and crew gets a two-week vacation at the place where the obstacle course is yeah. because it's essentially decker port of hawaii this <laughs> fucking thing it is so ramshackle but like in terms of like i mean it's not for me and i think it's it's not for us but in terms of the most like fucking straightforward this is the daytime movie acting standard miz is perfectly fine at it i don't think miz is ever going to go and surprise us with like like Batista or you know I think he was really surprised us with like the nuance in his performance and all that. It's the Miz, you know. When you see the Miz angry in this movie, it's exactly the same as when you see him angry when he's lost a match. Yeah, you he's know, playing the same character basically. Yeah, like there's the one bit in it where he he has to show super emotion, where he's like meant to have tears in his eyes, and he goes to the youth center. He's like, you know, oh my childhood was so troubled. The look in his face is exactly the same as his shoot that he does with Daniel Bryan. It's, it is, it is yeah. exactly the same. Like, get that camera over here. Get that camera over here. I'm the one who's out there in that youth center every day, raising money. Look at me. Look at me. I was in the Santa play. I'm the ho ho ho. I'm the ho. You're the coward. I'm the ho ho ho. <laughs> so I mean, I've heard that like the Marine Six and the Marine Five in particular are meant to be absolute laughs and halves. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh, Brian Zane from Wrestling with Regret, he has reviewed all of the Miz's rich pantheon, and he he recommends five and six five to and us. Six. So uh, who knows? Maybe someday we might uh, dip our toes into some more of the Miz's world. But I mean, straight to DVD or TV. That's the Miz, right? Yeah, he seems to be strangely proud of that fact. I love that, and this is this for me. There's a lot of like parts in this career from now on which I feel like big moments for him that like it's like yes like you you figured it out or the office has figured it out or we have fans have finally gotten on board but like the miz being in all these shitty movies and you think any wrestler like you think the miz is would be like super fucking defensive of this toilet water he's making embarrassed of them and he straight away is like and he said he had to push really hard for this to be this new character with the moneymaker, the Hollywood A-lister. And it's like, can we have quiet on the set, please? Quiet on the set. And it's like, I, I, he literally says in this documentary you watched where he's like, all my movies are straight to DVD. And like, they're lucky if they break the top 100 on Amazon. <laughs> and I think I'm this big star. This is great. Like, it's, I can't, I couldn't believe. For a heel as well. It's, yeah. it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It's such a great character idea. Because he knows that work ain't going anywhere. It's not going to hurt his chances of being in the Marine 8 and 9 and 10. <laughs> like the best, when he first debuted the character, they did like a thing where it was like, they're going to have a big surprise return. And it was meant to be Chris Jericho, but it was, you know, The Miz came out and him and Jericho had this bit in the ring. And, you know, Jericho knocked him out and he grabbed the microphone. He's like, what are you doing? I was in the Marines! <laughs> you know, like, that's like some big claim to fame. So, like, Miz from 2014 onwards, and that's around the time where he had Miz Day, where we, you know, where we, we kind of joined him a little bit. But I think since 2016 in particular, and there's one magic ingredient that got added to the act. I think it's when Maurice came back into the fold. Because when Miz and Maurice are together, there's something about that that they elevate each other it seems to be a common theme of the Miz's career is that he works better with someone to play off of yeah like and i don't mean to say that he's bad on his own he's not it's just he he thrives with someone else by his side yeah whether it's 
John Morrison, whether it's Damien Mizdow, whether it's Maurice. Or the Miztourage, exactly, yeah. He always seems to work better when there's people around him. I think it's, like, really important when people, like... It's really hard at this point in time to kind of... Because everything is so much at the moment with WWE and with, with, you know, Twitter and everything like that. It feels like there's a constant stream. You can't stop and smell the roses as easily as you could, you know, even five or six years ago, I feel, in terms of wrestling. But if you really look back in the last three or four years, The Miz has constantly put on great matches, both on SmackDown and on Raw. There have been periods where the entire show has centered around him and his his character because he's a very easy to dislike heel. Like when they had the big problem and everyone got, what was it, fucking... Mumps. Mumps. You know, went straight away, The Miz was the person they were turning to to fill in the gaps. He's yeah. very much like, he was like Kurt Angle almost was. Yeah. I know what's really weird about The Miz, and he said in that very famous promo, the the big shoot promo against Daniel Bryan, but he's never been injured. That's mad to think. Like, I can name two other people other than The Miz that spring to mind. Bret Hart and Chris Jericho. Wow. And The Miz doesn't really seem like he fits in that list. No. I mean, I I kind of, I get it, because he does wrestle this soft style absolutely he does yeah he's he's never doing anything hard hitting never anything scary you never have to worry about the miz doing a really scary maneuver and a live show and going oh god he's not going to be okay after this it's he barely does i mean he does wrestle but he barely wrestles yeah i mean he does he got his few cool moves like that low swinging ddt the yeah. cool clothesline i you know the it kicks when he was you know he he kept the f- the the embers of hope for daniel bryan I think I think he he held that torch for a couple of years. Really, he really held that when doing those fucking doing all the shitty versions of that Brian's so moves. Funny. You're doing the rubbish drop kick in the corner like Brian. Love like does such a, I mean, that's really fucking great stuff, and it yeah. gets a reaction. But I mean, I don't think anyone is in their right place to say, "Well, this guy's a shit performer. He's a shit wrestler." When he is putting on matches of a high caliber and he can do it very safely, mm. more of that, please. I've said it before about other characters in wrestling. And it happens if you're someone like myself who's been maybe attached to this product for a long time, but allow yourselves the capacity to grow and allow yourselves the capacity to think, you know what, when I was 19, the wrestler who wound me up, perhaps they have improved in some ways. Because it really does kind of not break my heart, but it makes me fucking put my head in my hands when I see all the people who are still like, no, nah. like we got a lot of tweets from people saying he's shit. Every match he's in is shit. Oh, come on. You know, like him and Seth Rollins, him and Dolph Ziggler, any of their matches from 2016, you know, his matches involving The Shield, any of those were fucking fabulous. His match with Roman Reigns at Raw 25, fabulous. And the match we're going to talk about now, which is so fucking good, from Extreme Rules, the Intercontinental Championship from 2016, it's The Miz versus Cesaro versus Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens for the Intercontinental Championship. The Miz has glowed up just by being like in proxy to Maurice. I oh, feel. yeah. It's just by being near her, I feel. I think it makes him come across as being more attractive that he has this beautiful woman with him. <laughs> you know, they, they, they together, like, you yeah. know. I feel I get that same kind of slight buff if I stand close to you. I kind Aww. of get a little bit of that kind of, that vibe as well, you know. Maurice and Miz are a fucking total power couple. Yeah, totally. Um, We've watched a bit of Miz and Mrs. The yes. reality show. What were your thoughts on that one? It was a reality show to the T. Yeah. Like, it's very scripted. It's very... 
wacky lots of things go wrong just at the moment they're supposed to like there's a situation comedy yeah yeah. it feels quite heavily crafted by the miz like as someone who has a lot of experience reality television Mm. it really feels like someone like that has been heavily involved and he's an executive producer so that makes sense like there's a particular scene where they have a baby shower and they have to get a special three-tiered, very expensive cake. It costs them like a thousand dollars. I know they go through like as well with Maurice. Like half the time, like Maurice is just a down-to-earth normal girl. The other times, like I need a nine-thousand-dollar cake. Yeah. I'll divorce you. It's like, what? what, what? <laughs> <laughs> so they get this really expensive cake, and of course, the Mrs. Dad is in this show, and he... oh, Georgie Mizanin. Yeah, and he. I think his whole character in this is that he fucks up all the time. His whole character is that he's a character. Yeah. They put the cake in the back and uh, the Mrs. Dad thinks it's a really good idea to just leave it there with no one there sitting there to protect it. And they drive around and then of course they have to come to a stop and the cake falls over and is destroyed. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. So then the Miz has to go and, and pay double what he originally paid for the first cake to get a different cake. There's a lot there's a lot of this in it of, of Miz, like this kind of porking across America vibe of Miz is like, look, here's not here's five thousand dollars. Just yeah. yeah, it'll be okay. It's Sort's fine. It. Like I've forgotten Valentine's Day. It's okay, here's a thousand dollars. Look, here are all the balloons and teddy bears in Los Angeles. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The one thing about that show is that it beggars belief it took him that long to do it because Miz is just on all the time. So he might as well have a fucking, he might as well get some content mm. out of it. Like, you know, the Miz has no downtime. That's a scary thing. It's like, he's off a plane, then he's on a photo shoot. From the photo shoot, his day off, he's hosting an MTV show and then he's on media and then he's back on the circuit for house shows. He has zero downtime. Yeah. And also as well, he's went from, you know, Maurice got pregnant, obviously, and now two kids... In less than, in less than a, a year. year. From which zero is kids like, to two. That's barely physically possible. I mean, it's 37, 38 Mises now, I think. Yeah. So like, that's a lot to take on and like with that schedule. Fucking I hell. have no idea how those two are going to... I mean, I guess they're very rich and they can buy a lot of help. Yeah. Christ, they are going to be tired. The one thing that was a little downside of the show, uh, just kind of speaking about you know, Maurice and Miz here helping each other kind of glow up a lot, is that I only got to see little glimmers of... The bit that I know is true. I think there is a private Maurice and Mike. Mm. And they do obviously love each other very much. And I don't think it's just that kind of like, this guy over here, am I right? He's a bit wacky. Like I do think there is a private side to them. Mm. Not saying that I'm going to creep who wants to all their personal details, but... You got to see a little bit of it in Ride Along when they did it together. Just a little, when it was their anniversary and they were you know driving together. But I felt that Miz was on so much all the time. I actually thought this detracted from my current opinion of The Miz. It made me yeah. think of The Miz of old. It wasn't, I've got to say, it wasn't that fun to watch. Even no. though it is good reality television, it's not, for me personally, I didn't didn't like it that much. I felt that it was too much set up on the fact that The Miz is expected to get things wrong all the time. Yeah. And the Maurice is the long-suffering wife. I've seen that. And I don't really believe that's the case it in their relationship. Yeah. Like, she obviously loves the fact that he's a massive dingus. Yeah. Like, that is something she is obviously into. And to pretend otherwise feels really kind of fake and sad. And I don't yeah. know, I just like, I'd rather than, you know, if the Miz is genuinely going to be a bit of a dork, I would much rather see the honest side of them both kind of 
leaning into that. As opposed to them pointing out that Miz is just this wacky guy, isn't he? Yeah, like, and Ray's oh, just rolling her eyes. You know, oh, you, you know. It, yeah, it feels so much more like a family comedy yeah. than any sort of a reality show. It definitely doesn't compare to Total Bellas, where no. it's a lot more based in actual reality. And that, like, Cena and Brian are almost at odds with the camera being there, where the Miz is like, where's that camera? Look what we're doing here today on MTV. I'm going to do something wacky. Hey, we're having a baby shower. Check out my friend, Avril Lavigne. Hey, oh, Avril. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was so random. Avril so Lavigne was at this weird. baby shower. It's just about, yeah. in the background of every shot. It's just there. You forget cupcakes. Avril Lavigne exists for 20 years and all of a sudden she's in Ms. and Mrs. It's bizarre. Yeah, very, very strange. But yeah, I think no more so than the fact that we spent around five minutes talking about his reality show. It does make the Miz seem even more like the odd man out in this match that involves Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And Cesaro. And I'll tell you what's also very weird about this one. Is JBL on commentary. The Miz is here! I love The Miz! <laughs> you, you know what, Michael? I always said The Miz was going to be a big star. And I said, I can't wait for the day when I was proved right. I fucking hate him. What a fucking snake. He is what a, a snake. Oh my god. piece of slime. So, this match was actually our most requested match. I tallied it up. People adore this match. I'm not surprised. And this was a match which, really, the response to it rubbed me the wrong way, where everyone was just kind of like, well, yeah, of course the Miz got carried to this match. I mean, I think the matches that have followed from this have shown that the Miz definitely does belong. You know, he can pull out these matches. Who, who's gotten great matches out of Shane McMahon? In, the Miz. The Miz and yeah. AJ Styles, yeah. maybe? Again, Miz in a category of people where you're like, oh, he shouldn't be in there. He shouldn't be in there with Brett and Jay- Jericho and, and, yet. and AJ Styles. And yet, I'm not saying he, his name should sit happily alongside those, but in this different criteria, you know, he's done really fucking well for himself. What were your top spots from this one, Joe? My first top spot was Cesaro's sexy Bond entrance, which I miss dearly. In the goods. Wish he'd bring it back, especially now he's not with with uh, Seamus anymore. Yeah, I really, 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 really love that entrance. It's great. Bit of eye candy for the ladies and the men. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah, it's cool because you got the Bond stuff, but then it's even cooler because you got the stripper stuff where he yeah. pulls off all his clothes. And also he goes, hey, which I love. Yeah, I'm all good. about that. Like, you know, it's a fun moment. My second top spot is when Sammy gives a halluva kick to Kevin Owens immediately when the bell rings. Like the first thing he does, it's like his his foot is propelling him through the ring. Yeah. Directly aiming at Kevin Owens face. Oh, man. Did you see when the Miz got suplexed while suplexing someone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. Like He was involved in this match with a lot of like you know spots that like the, you know this isn't just one person everyone is a team effort here this is why this match is so great there's loads of spots involving three or four people mm. and the Miz is you know he's he's in a lot of them so he's pulling his weight along with the rest of them any other top spots in this one for us my third top spot was when Cesaro attacked the Miz and left him upside down on his shoulders he kind of like I don't know what offensive move it was was it a kick or something yeah you give him a big old dirty kick and then the Miz was kind of left like vertical somehow yeah <laughs> it's like doing a, a handstand almost for like a couple of seconds it was, it was very impressive He, yeah he was he's like the Miz glitched out or something mm. honestly I don't ever seen that in 2k games really <laughs> I don't really seen that much in real life clipped into, yeah. <laughs> into, the, into the ring when Miz gets the giant swing JBL just goes you wouldn't do this to George Clooney 
I love as well that Miz uses Maurice in this match. Like he's in the sharpshooter, he's gonna tap. Like she reaches her hands yes. out and she gets pulled into the <laughs> ring. Like, it's so fucking great. Miz is a vulture in this match. Like there's so many spectacular moves in this one, given the people involved. Like you've got Sammy and Cesaro in there. We've talked about that ad nauseum about how fabulous they are. But there's something brilliant about Sammy and Cesaro going in and doing their big crazy cartwheel somersault in the Miz is like <laughs> trying for the pin he is very much a cross between a vulture and a snail in this match <laughs> slithering around and picking his spots it feels like a really nicely balanced match as well because you've got the two types of heel cowards in this you've mm. got Kevin Owens who's always trying to escape the ring and you've got the Miz who's always trying to take advantage of certain opportunities that can yeah. leave, lead in his favour mm. and then meanwhile you've got obviously face Sami Zayn and face Cesaro who are just two like just hunk stars and yeah because Sammy's the kind of the plucky underdog yeah. and Cesaro is the fucking total beast like this big tank can do yeah. it all it is fabulous and like I'm not the biggest fan in the world of the kind of a million false finishes and then something ends it like that but what was cool about this is that we had like legitimately six or seven close 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 calls like really close calls and it wasn't then like and then someone hit their finisher and won what happened was just Miz happened to pin someone. Yeah. You know, in the middle of all this confusion. He the, got lucky. The camera wasn't even on him when he <laughs> got the pin. And I just love that. That like, you saw Sammy and Kevin were going hell for leather outside. It's like, oh, the match is over. Wait, what? The Miz is won? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so great. And like the fact that it was the Miz in the ring with three fucking studs and he mm. wins in such a shitty way. I love Perfect. it so much. I remember when this match first was announced, I thought it was so strange that it was those three indie competitors who have been wrestling for you know all of those three guys are, are total veterans mm. of the at the sport and then you've got the miz who seems so out of place and yet watching this match you know if you didn't know who any of these people were i don't think the miz would stand out at all he, yeah. he totally fits in even though he's not you know the super impressive indie style wrestler he keeps up yeah he's, he's he hasn't got an asterisk there like there's no. so many times where you can watch matches and it's like okay here are the people who are doing the work and then there's this, this other person there and you know loads of people you know big wrestling journalists and otherwise have you know are adamant Miz can't work I disagree just, it's just move on folks and I'll go one step further and I say actually I think the Miz being added to a match like this improved it because often I think a mistake of wrestling can be having too many guys with this very similar style of mm. wrestling and it goes so quick that people can argue that there's not much psychology involved yeah. and it's just like top spot top spot over and over yeah, again yeah. and you don't actually have a lot of pacing the Miz really helped Keep things at a good pace. Yeah, don't be a top spot toss pot. Yeah, <laughs> let, let the Miz come in here now and then. But it's great. He, he works well as a spoiler. And the one thing which I would have said at the end of this episode, which is like, Miz is a great heel. Keep him as a heel forever at the end. And I do think the Miz as a heel in any guise is very effective now. And I think he'll probably be... He's one of the few people who you could say, you know what, he'll probably have a job for the next 10 years. You know, yeah. he'll, he'll be with there forever if he has his way, because like, he has his, his niche, and I don't think anyone can take it away. But I would have thought, never make him face ever again, though, after what happened. But the stuff with but Shane is, this yeah. year. And that somehow worked. Yeah, I mean, we've talked in depth about all that feuds. You can check out a lot of our thoughts on the current Miz feuds and his storylines and whatnot over on our Patreon page, where we've been reviewing... You know, all of the pay-per-views going back and The Miz, more often than not, is a highlight. And I've had a lot of fun talking about, Mike, The Miz Mizanin. Let's, before we get into our uh, 
before we get into our tweets or Facebook posts, I do have here a couple of nice quotes about The Miz from his contemporaries. He's not a fucking wrestler. He's a sports entertainer. That's from Jim Cornette there. That's, I mean, yes. And also that's not necessarily a bad thing. It, like, it makes sense why I think The Miz is pushed so much as a modern day wrestler. Because, yeah. you know, as, as Vince says often, this is the entertainment industry. He's seen the Marine 7. <laughs> and The Miz is that. He is. He's he's the most sports entertainment yeah. out of any wrestler they have he is the pinnacle of that Miz the case for sports entertainment yeah. that's literally it like, and if that's yeah. the direction they're leaning in then of course they should put their money behind the Miz makes yeah. sense also from Jim Cornette that 14 year old looking fucking goofy sack of shit Jesus Christ from Alberto Del Rio I hate the Miz this is not for fun I genuinely dislike the guy he was probably bullied in school Oh, I mean, he definitely was. Come on, you don't need to bully him in the wrestling industry, too. And from Ricardo Rodriguez, Miz is Miz. I think everyone's tried to beat him up at least once in their career. Oh. I mean, I do recall one time, it really that stuck with me. Because a lot of, like, a lot of good stuff that Miz has done in recent years, but there's still these random bits I think stick in fans' throats a little bit. You know, he was with uh, Or Truth in a tag team for a long time as the, the Awesome Truth, uh, where he did some, uh, he was yep. this hype man. He tried to rap. Remix! <laughs> but uh, one time, Or Truth was being thrown out of the ring, like over the top rope, big fall. Miz was meant to catch him. Miz literally stepped completely the wrong direction. No. And apparently he got, like, he was sent to the back straight away, like, because they thought he'd, re- like, that was like, literally, your one job was to pick up this wrestler and stop him being hurt. And he messed up. And that was like after he'd been champion and all that. So God, you can do that to Ken Jong. You can't do that to a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, man. Our truth knows like people. You know, he's real important, you know. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of fun talking about Mr. Moneymaker himself. And now it's time to check out your tweets and your Facebook posts. Hoorah! When I first came to World Wrestling Entertainment, not a single person respected me. Not anyone out in the WWE universe, and not anyone in the WWE locker room. Everybody wanted to get rid of me. Nobody could stand me. They made my life a living hell. As a matter of fact, in this very locker room, I got kicked out for eating a piece of chicken over a referee's bag and spilling some crumbs. For six months, six months, I was banned from the WWE locker room. I would have to find a place to change, place to shower, place to use the restroom. I'd walk down these halls and see superstars like JBL. And every day that JBL saw me, he would sarcastically say, Miz, I look forward to your amazing work. Miz, you are a gift from God, Miz. Everybody berated me. Everybody ridiculed me. Everybody wanted me to quit. But all that negativity, I used as fuel to ignite a wrath against everyone in the WWE to become the star I am today. Now I don't even go in that locker room because I have a private dressing room just for me. That locker room is for the Evan Bournes and the MVPs. And we're back 
Got loads of lovely tweets, comments, fan theories, and otherwise over on our Twitter, HowToWrestling, and that is, of course, using the hashtag HowToTheMiz. And if you have any thoughts after this episode, you can, of course, as always, continue the conversation using that very old hashtag. Joe, have we got some hot takes on tap? We sure do. First up from Joe Del Toro. He's emblematic of a modern phenomenon where he was reviled for a perceived lack of ability, despite very obviously working a style that's meant to gain heat. Only when they pulled back the curtain and told people why he was smart for working that style did the detractors realise how great he is. Despite him teaching this important lesson, a lot of fans just haven't learned from that. And you can see it again with the Iconics today. Oh my god, so true! Like. I never thought of that, but yeah, absolutely. So many people don't get why the Iconics are great. And it's such a similar it's such a similar reason. It is. People don't like them because their promos are grating and annoying. Like, like they're not trying to be grating or annoying yeah. when they come out. With, like, serious? Listen to them talk in a normal interview you know they're they actually normal people yeah and then you think they're coming back back saying guys you know what it is people just don't like you the the iconics the two brash egotists who say their name and then brandish their midriffs every time they say a bad joke why aren't people enjoying this like you know <laughs> Only perhaps even better than the Miz, the Iconics can actually wrestle really well, yes. and they just choose not to. <laughs> I mean, they 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 wrestle as Daniel Bryan so beautifully said, and you know the promo thing that Joe's alluding to there. You know they wrestle like cowards. Yeah, but you need that. Like you mm-hmm. know, I've been to so many indie shows where it's like four hours of badass versus badass, and. That's great, and it's fine for a live experience, but if you want a television show that's got a variety of characters, everyone can't be a fucking badass. No way, and I love a good heel coward. It's my favourite trope in wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine, right, if there was a zombie movie and every single person was like, I got this, you know, if there was one person going, no, the cellar's the safest place. You need those people. You do, you need them. (laughs) From the Activate podcast... I felt like the only human being on earth cheering for Miz when he won the title nearly a decade ago. Now he's finally getting the appreciation that he's worked so hard for. Misfit Forever. I Aww. forgot that was the name of his fans. Oh, Misfit. Misfit. I'm sure Jerry only would love that. <laughs> it's good to know that there were some Miz fans a decade ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously those of us who are complete Randy Orton freaks at the time were very upset that the... Uh, that the, that the title was taken away from him. And of course, those of us who were hoping that the title would end up in the hands of the Nexus were bitterly disappointed, but you know. I think it's hard enough being a wrestling fan a decade ago, let alone a Miz wrestling fan. <laughs> Hi, I have the worst taste and the Aww. worst thing and the worst place in the world. Next up from Darren Gutteridge, the Theon Greyjoy of wrestling. Stop all other tweets, that is the best one we've ever got. You get real comfortable really hating him for long stretches, but sometimes he just worms his way back into your affections, despite you knowing full well he'll just let you down again, sooner rather than later. So, does this make Daniel Bryan Ramsey Bolton in this Ooh. situation? Very aggressively eating a vegan sausage in front of him and all that, and you go kicking the Miz, you know. I'm not sure if that, that analogy works now that I think about it. From Jenna, I've only ever known The Miz as a brilliant, funny, clever guy who's great on the mic and decent to good in the ring. That is a very nice appraisal yeah. there. It's been so strange to encounter the visceral hatred so many have for him from his earlier days. Also, hashtag relationship goals. So much love between them, of course. Maurice and Miz, I, we mentioned briefly, but they're ride-along. Like, I think Miz and Mrs. 
isn't you get bits of them but it's yeah. a bit a bit nauseating in respects it's a little ham-fisted at times but mm. then bride long is adorable and you really get to see what they're like as a couple and yeah. they're just you can tell they're best friends and it's just so heartwarming to see i think a big pivotal moment for you i recall with the miz and maurice and just realizing that that they had the ultimate relationship goal to achieve which is when they did the Love Actually parody for oh, Christmas, yeah. <laughs> which is really, really great, where Miz like, knocks on the door all romantic and it's like, hello, is there an 18-year-old woman present who is also <laughs> married to another man? Fun fact, uh, I almost shared that video to the Cooperative Bank's <laughs> Facebook page on Christmas Day, Way. resulting in a huge anxiety attack. I thought I was going to be fired. Yeah. Didn't, didn't actually happen. Didn't I, didn't, actually happen. I shared it to the correct wrestling page, not the bank's page. That's it's good. All fine. But interesting though that Jenna brings up a lot of that kind of the visceral hatred. I think when people, when people you know have decided at a certain point and time that this is the wrestling that I like and these are the people that I like and certain people are against those core beliefs, they kind of refuse to let in any of that joy in there, you know. And you can see the people who are probably going to carry a torch that Roman Reigns, they'll hate till they die. And, you know, if you're someone who's sat with their arms folded through every Miz and John Cena match, well then, like, obviously the show is not for you. Watch something else. I mean, to be fair, some of those John Cena and Miz matches are the dirt worst. Yeah, they are. But separately, they've uh, pulled off some good ones. Yeah. <laughs> Next up from Zondo321, that's easy. Miz is the worst. No, wait, the best. No, the worst again. Oh, yeah, he's the best. The Miz is very complicated. Nothing in ring, but he can be so compelling just from his mic work. But if his storyline sucks, he sucks. He's the definition of perseverance. I think the Miz, I just realised, is probably one of the few characters in wrestling who's probably never, ever, ever, ever able to rest on his laurels. No. You know, there's a lot of wrestlers who've kind of got such a body of work that, the, you know, I think Kurt Angle was a great example. We talked about it in a revisited episode on Patreon that he had built up such a groundswell of goodwill that people were willing to kind of look the other way in a lot of the reduced performance. But I think The Miz has to even work harder. The yeah. longer his career goes, I think... It's <laughs> the slight liberal consensus that the Miz is okay is wafer thin at best, yeah, aww. and will explode upon contact with uh, you know with him not having a great storyline to to work with. But he's someone who's taken some of the worst storylines and made real great stuff out of yeah. them. All being said and done, you know. This comes from Psyduck P.I. The Miz made his in-ring debut against Tatanka of all people, Buffalo. I think sometimes people forget just how long The Miz has been wrestling. Yeah, The Miz has been wrestling for so long that the outfit that he was wearing could have actually alluded to real-life people who dressed like that. So. Who's Tatanka? Tatanka is a Native American wrestler who had a, a great run during the new generation way back in the early 90s. Uh, came in around the tail end of, right at the tail end of the Hogan era and surprisingly and oddly came back in 2005 for a little bit of a run. So, yeah, Miz and Tatanka, not in the recommended viewing, uh, folks. <laughs> Next up from Handsprings 777 I actually credit The Miz with educating me on good heel work versus being annoying. Brash, arrogant, overbearing, but always with a kernel of truth to his insights. Oh, and watching him verbally destroy human dumpster fire Enzo and him my love eternal. <laughs> That's like uh, part of my daily affirmations as I watch that Miz promo yeah. on, on Enzo. This is from Reese Degnan. People regularly talk about Shawn Michaels and Daniel Bryan's as inspirational stories in wrestling. But The Miz not only worked hard for his dream, he had to do it while actively being told that nobody wanted him to succeed. Honestly, a true inspiration. Because, yeah, I mean, Bryan and Michaels, you know, they had to overcome lots. Obviously, Bryan particularly with lots of health issues from being a youngster and all that. But 
I think the important thing to take from The Miz and to maybe think about it in wrestling is that adversity for wrestlers comes in more than one flavour. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it ha- it's not just the Mick Foley sleeping in, you know, sleeping in the back of your car, eating peanut butter sandwiches or, you know, getting hurt and overcoming it. There's lots of other barriers to entry there as well. And sometimes the what's perceived to be the easy route in is actually one of the fucking most yeah. challenging and horrid routes. I think a lot of people feel that Miz had it easy because he was signed with WWE so early on in his career after having no wrestling experience, which on paper sounds like, oh, what a jammy bastard, lucky yeah. him. But the route he took was so difficult and just so full of hazing and really up against it with adversaries from every corner. Yeah. It's actually really impressive that he's done as well as he has. I think, yeah, it just goes to show what that kind of perseverance will get you in wrestling. And as well, it's like, you know, I think if your sole viewpoint of success and making it is making it to WWE full stop, I don't think that's really much of a benchmark for success because think of all the wrestlers who have made it to WWE and then haven't even made it past NXT or whatever. You know, it's not a measure of success. It's the beginning of your journey to potential success for most. And even if you are given opportunities from the industry, it's up to you what you make of them. Yeah, absolutely. Now from Bart Crow. I really enjoyed that ladder match Miz had at TLC 2016 where he wins by kicking Ziggler in the balls. The best part is when Ziggler is on the floor, writhing in pain, and Miz calls him a loser. So I had to read that out selfishly because it's, uh, yeah. it's a great moment. It's a personal favourite. <laughs> I think, if I recall, back on those Patreon reviews, that was literally like a great, fabulous, finally, a really good five stars. Love the Miz. Yeah, great. <laughs> Winning the ladder match with a hit to the dick. Perfect. Yep. Finally. <laughs> From Ryan Palmer, I have to say, I side with Brian Alvarez when it comes to The Miz. I respect the fact that he's grinded his way to where he is, but he is terrible in the ring. He's all promo and nothing else. The fandom for him astounds me. I mean, there you go. We've still got quite a few people who just don't like The Miz. They just... I, and I get that. If, you, if you're... If wrestling is really important to you, like the matches themselves, then yeah, The Miz will never be your favourite wrestler. Mm. Because his talents lie in character work and promos and things like that it's not ever going to be a five-star match from yeah I, I think like you know you can have that hierarchy of needs i think yeah. there should be one for wrestling but it could be completely different for yeah, everyone it's personal, you know yeah it's a very personal thing a lot of the you know, he's saying here you know how the fandom stains him but i think a lot of the Miz's fandom comes to the fact that you know, we're in the social age now and everyone's connected and talking with each other. I think if a character The Miz came around in the mid-90s, I don't think he would have had any impact at all because so much of The Miz is the people who think he's great and the people who fucking hate him and they're kind of locked in this eternal struggle. I think Miz's presence is announced by the fact that there is a constant... The same with Cena as well, to an extent. There's a constant debate about whether they're good or not. Like, Interesting that you say that, because I wonder if The Miz could even have existed as a wrestler in the 90s, because it's before reality television. Yeah, before social media, before he could be touting all morning long. <laughs> Next up from Brian Settles. I respect him so much because he used reality TV as a launching pad to get to his real goal. Then when he got there, he had to work twice as hard to earn the respect of the other wrestlers. Now he's back on reality TV with his amazing wife he met in wrestling. So I think one of the most cyclical people in wrestling that we've talked about. Like, yeah. I think Miz got whatever the equivalent of is the best ending for him, you know, yeah. in wrestling. <laughs> From Kevin Chiat, I think The Miz is a little overrated by sections of fan base, especially WWE-only fans. Good at the WWE scripted promos, but rarely makes you want to see the actual match. 
a cromulent worker, but none of his main event pushes ever really worked out long term. Amazing use of the word cromulent. Kevin. Yeah, I think that is possibly the best use of cromulent yeah. in a tweet that we've ever gotten. I don't think I'd ever want to see The Miz be a world champion ever again, to be honest, or even challenge for that belt. I don't yeah. know. Maybe once he can challenge for the belt, but I don't think The Miz could ever really maybe be bought as being a main event person in no, that respect. He's not. He's a B-carder, but somehow a top star of the B-carders. Yeah, I think he can be used with a top star like Roman and get a good match out for, you know, a, a, a B-pay-per-view. Yeah. But I don't think I'm going to see The Miz headlining WrestleMania no, ever again. No, I, I don't think, want that. No, it's, there's certain people who seem to actually, their character works better when they're not the focal point of everything. Yeah, and, well, yeah. it's like we said earlier on in the episode, The Miz works best when he's surrounded by other people yeah. to bring out the best in him. I I think the fact that he was champion once and has had one headline WrestleMania he's done it now. means that he can pat himself on the back and say he's done it, but maybe we can all be spared from seeing that ever again. I mean, yeah, sure, he had a concussion and embarrassed himself a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, it's still, as far as WrestleMania main events go... There have been worse. Uh, allegedly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why, but I feel I need to, to point out the Miz's A or augmented reality entrance in WrestleMania recently, where he came out with all of his brand guidelines, like <laughs> hot wife, and walked through them, is possibly one of the greatest entrances in wrestling history. I agree, and I think that all your podcasts should have similar entrances, like yeah. hot girlfriend. <laughs> uh, just a suggestion. <laughs> so, Joe, have you had fun talking about the Miz? I've had great fun talking about the Miz. I love the Miz. I appreciate him even more. But similarly, I I get that he's not for everyone, and no. for for hardcore wrestling fans who love wrestling, yeah, he's he's not your cup of tea. I get that. More tea for me, please. <laughs> I love it, and I get that sports entertainment as a modern product is is for probably a bit more people like me. But I love that they've got this variety. Like you can still have like the proper wrestling in yeah. current day product if if that's what you're after. And you've also got now a bit more emphasis on the sports entertainment side of things. It's great. So our next episode, and one which I'm very, very excited to, we're going to dip back into the past and try and look at someone from back in the classic area of wrestling from the 80s and the 90s. This is someone who's been requested, and she is one of my all-time favourite personalities in wrestling, probably one of the most striking presences in wrestling ever. Joe, our next episode, we're going to learn all about the sensational Sherry Martel, and I can't freaking wait. I can't wait either. And also the artwork for this episode. It's so good. Dan's done such a good job. Yeah, one of his best here. And you want to head over to howtowrestling.com forward slash upcoming and you can see the next episode artwork ahead of time and if you have any thoughts on the career and life of sherry martel send your tweets match recommendations segments promos and importantly looks because there's a lot of ones that we have to talk about in good detail we want to hear all of your thoughts using the hashtag how to sherry that's s-h-e Double or I, and that is how you spell Sherry from now on. I mean, have you seen much of Sherry before? I mean, we, she's popped up in a recent episode or two. She has. Uh, she briefly appeared in our episode on Bobby Heenan, but also in our episode on Macho Man, where she turned on him and kicked the shit out of him, which was so entertaining. I love that she looks like a witch. Yes. Like a powerful gem demon. Yeah. 
I think she can be classed, her different looks can be classed as like a witch from every different branch of media and, yeah, and, all and culture. Yeah, anime witch, mm. you know, classic old timey witch, mm -hmm. sci fi witch, yeah. all money witch, all of money. Butterfly much witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like when they had those, what were those things that you could pull the pull the, the string yeah, on and, and they go, Voo. there would be always a heel one of those. <laughs> That's the Sherry, one. exactly. That's Sherry, yeah. <laughs> With the eyebrows. So, yeah, Sherry is definitely someone who's probably maybe a little bit more obscure than some of our recent episodes. So, if you have got some thoughts or any info on Sherry, we would really appreciate your thoughts so people can learn more about this incredible woman and her story and her impact in the world of wrestling using, of course, again, that hashtag, HowToSherry, on Twitter and on Facebook.com forward slash HowToWrestling. And hey, if you're over there anyway, or on iTunes, or on Podbean, or wherever you consume your podcasts, why not leave us a little bit of a rating or review, let everyone know your thoughts on the episodes, and maybe help us spread this around to a few more people. Your word of mouth is, as always, greatly appreciated in spreading the good word of How To Wrestling. Well, until next time, when we're talking about this sensational one, it's going to be a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.